does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Yeah, it would have been nice if the Pacers woke up last night. Hey, welcome in. It's a Tuesday. I have beaver nuggets in front of me, Bucky's. That's all that matters. Thank you to whoever brought Carlton. these to Kevin. Listener Carlton. Carlton. Thank you, Carlton. You saved the morning. Morning. Haven't had these in years, so we're going to do that. Uh, Pacers lose last night. To me, it's a tough love game. We'll talk with Rick Carlisle about that coming up at 8 o'clock. Indiana football continues to look for their head coach. Can the Colts make the playoffs? Ton to talk, tons to talk about today on this Tuesday on The Fan. It's the wake-up call. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton producing today's effort. Fellas, a good morning. I'm jealous of your sweatshirt. I like that. I need some fan sweatshirts. That's what I need. I'm begging the sales department right now. Fellas, good morning. Not a good morning in Pacer land. Ugly loss last night in Gamebridge. Uh, the Pacers played like the weather. <laughs> I'll go there. The weather from yesterday. I, I swear today. there were a couple of flurries oh, I saw yeah. driving in on this Tuesday morning. Morning. That was a dud. That was a dud. And and there's been a few of these now, Andy. Um, all at home. You know, when you look back to the Chicago game earlier in the year, uh, that second night of the back-to-back Charlotte. And I think what really stings about last night is, you know, Portland had the back-to-back. You know, that you didn't have the schedule disadvantage, if you will. Um, just so lethargic and sloppy and like guys just throwing balls out of bounds and stepping out of bounds and um, the stat that really stands out to me, the Pacers pretty much played 11 guys, meaningful minutes. Ben Shepard got just one minute. Uh, that was just at the end of a quarter there for defensive purposes. Andy, all 11 guys committed a turnover. Seven of them committed at least two <laughs> turnovers. And this is a team that, again, you, you, you basketball IQ and their ability to handle it, and they play a lot of guards, et cetera, et cetera. Very disappointing. We'll see if there's any injury update to Jalen Smith. That did not look good there in the third quarter when he went down. They called it a heel injury, and I'm like, the leg, the heel, the, yeah, the, the entire leg, leg buckled and bent backwards. Not supposed to look like that. It did not look good at all. Um, and yes, like you said, Rick Carlisle joins us at eight. So uh, this is one that I think will get to like the spring, and we're going to be like, man, missed opportunities back in November. You know, Rick has said to us several Tuesdays in a row, 11 of your first whatever it is at home, they end up going 6-5 and five in these first 11 home games. And if you look at the schedule, yes, they'll have the in-season quarterfinal game at home next week. That might be their only home game for like the next three weeks. And obviously you're going to play some good opponents in that in-season quarterfinal. And if they move on from there, so... Yes, uh, very, very poor performance last night by the Pacers. You know, the thing that, that kind of rings in my mind, and yeah, Carlisle will join us, and I kind of said it at the beginning, this was a tough love game. You know, there was your boy Jeremy Grant, by the way. How about that? Uh, Jeremy Grant walking into Gamebridge Fieldhouse. I say he's KB's boy because of the Notre Dame, right? He Jeremy Notre- Grant, his oh, brother. What, oh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> I got him mixed up on my man. That one KB was 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 fired up last night. I will say watching this. the Grand Brothers. I know Malcolm Brogdon had the game icing did. little floater in the lane I, over your best defender, which was an extra just kind of twist of the knife. 
I am so glad I don't have to watch Malcolm Brogdon on the Pacers anymore. Uh, yeah, I would, I would it's agree. It's slow motion. It's dribble for 20 seconds. Sure, he's a fine player, but I, I just, I, I know after a loss, maybe I'm not allowed to say that, but I'm going to say it. You know, I look at the Pacers, and last night to me was about as frustrating of a loss as they have had this season. And the problem that you have is they're not doing the number one thing that you have to do, and that's beat bad teams at home. Like we look at the we look at the Colts, and I know it, and I know the you know the Carolina Panthers were on the road, but you know they they had a bad team in New England, they had a bad team in Carolina, and not that the Bucks are a bad team, but the Bucks have lost like six out of seven games, and you took care of business in those games. And if you're the Pacers, when you lose to the Bulls earlier in the year, and I'm going to go back to that game. I know it's early. It may be unfair to do so, KB, but the Bulls were 5-13, and are now 5-13. and The Hornets are 5-10. and The Raptors are 8-9. and I mean, I don't need to tell you, Portland's not a good team. I mean, they're 5-12. and They're coming off a disastrous loss. They're on a back-to-back, and they are retooling their entire roster in a rebuild and if you look at those you know four and five games at home you look at those and you say you got you don't have to listen you can have some failures along the way you're going to have losses you're a young team perhaps your margin for error isn't very much and we understand that they are a stinky defensive team we understand that but to lose all of these games here at home to not have a couple more wins on the ledger Halliburton talked about it last night maybe not 13 wins but not to have at least like 11 wins on the season I want to go back today I mean just go look at the margin of air last year in the playoffs can literally be a game or two that can put you in the playing game out of the playing game seating wise and everything else uh, and last night didn't make shots just bad defense. There was a part last night where uh, Grant goes and just and scores, and Bugner's yelling, help, help, no one helps, and it's Matherin who is yeah, supposed Carlisle to help, him. And, and, mm-hmm. and Carlisle calls a timeout, almost threw the basketball at somebody, right, right. called the timeout, and really, you know, for an NBA player and an NBA coach, you don't see a lot of that, especially early in the season, was very demonstrative, was Carlisle, and last night was about as disappointing, and yeah, the thing is, you had chances to win, too. Get a stop. Yeah, sure. Chances to win in the third and fourth quarter, and you didn't do it. it no matter how bad you played, you could have played that C minus D plus game and won the game, and they didn't do that. Uh, and you know, you look at that Bulls game, the Hornets game, perhaps the Raptors game. No doubt, last night those are three and four games that you just can't lose those games. No, you can't do it if you're trying to be a six seed. And again, this one stands out to me the most, Andy, because Portland was on that back to back. You know, you, you should have had that advantage, Charlotte. You know, you were on the back to back. If you go back to that game. Uh, and also, you know, when you talk about missed opportunities come springtime, um, they haven't been out west yet. They haven't really been on a road trip per se yet. They're about to. Uh, but you haven't had a lot of injuries. You know, Halliburton's missed a game. Um, really, you've been fairly healthy besides that. And so I think when you kind of add all that up, that's why you look at the start. And, you know, 9 and 7 is 9 and 7. But it, to me, I think we're going to get to April, you know, March, April, and look back on this and think, those were some missed opportunities for the Pacers. So, again, Rick Carlisle going to join us here coming up 
at 8 o'clock. Again, good Tuesday morning to you. Thank you for spending it with us. It is chilly. Uh, a, a couple of flurries in the air, but nonetheless, um, it is very, very cold here uh, as we reach the end of November. And as we reach the end of November, the Purdue Boilermaker is back in action tonight. And Andy Sweeney, for the third straight year, they are now ranked number one in the land, 60 of 63 first place votes. I, I'm frankly I mean, a little doing? stunned why they weren't all 63. Well, what are we doing? First place votes to Purdue. <laughs> uh, Arizona is second, so that matchup here in a couple weeks inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse could very well be one versus two. Again, it, it, the stat that is so astonishing to me is they're the first Big Ten team in the history of college basketball to be ranked number one in the land in three separate consecutive seasons. And if you look at the roster, they've had some significant turnover. Obviously, Zach Eadie's been the mainstay over those three teams, uh, although the first year, you know, it was a lot of Travion Williams, you know, being the primary big guy. But still, this is not like the 1984 Indiana Hoosiers, and they've had these, you know, this core of sophomores, juniors, and seniors that have been together. You know, Purdue had two freshmen starting in the backcourt last season. So, uh, well-deserved ranking of number one. Again, frankly, I thought they should have gotten all 63 first-place votes. Tonight, they will face Texas Southern. God bless Texas Southern. What do you know about Texas Southern? Uh, Texas Southern. Uh, I feel like someone coached there. Who coached there? Mike Davis, Mike Davis. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I was going to say Michael Strahan played there, but I think he went to another version of a Texas Southern state or something like that. Right now, Max Bowen's got the Michael Strahan teeth. He's Does got he the, really? Yeah, uh-huh. Well, yes. you might want to get that fixed. <laughs> well, <laughs> listen, not many people are going to be able to have the gap. He's 15 months old, so I think we're just well, hoping no, that it'll okay. naturally. I don't know if we're going braces this early for young Max. The earliest you can go braces. Did you have braces? Did oh, your yeah. wife have braces? Uh, uh, I don't think she did. So he's I, destined to braces? I know, maybe she did. Uh, I, I, I rocked him for two years, yeah. Two years? Yeah, it was pain. It they was call you metal brutal. mouth? Uh-huh. Isn't that what kids... Yeah, he's got that, that, stuffed in lockers. I, I love that I had perfect teeth growing up, and I'm like, out of all the things, couldn't I have had something else? I mean, I would have taken the braces for a year. Couldn't you, Lord? Couldn't you have given me something else that would have been immaculate instead of teeth? Are you on your no knees praying about? for a little gas? Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, you know Gary Parish used to do. I don't think he does this anymore. He's a college basketball guy for CBS. I assume people know that around here. Um, he used to do pole attacks. You know, did, did you ever read those? Like, yeah, it kind of like rips people that well, rank no, teams it was, it was, in a... Yeah, it was people that voted in the AP poll that didn't know what the hell they were doing, right. that didn't watch any games, that didn't do any research, that didn't really take their vote very seriously. Like, I need to know, I need to know, one guy took Arizona and two guys took UConn, which is not egregious. You know, it's not egregious picking those teams, but I would like to know who the three people who did not have Purdue at number one, not that it matters, I would just love to know, simply because I would just love to know what they're thinking, given that Purdue beat the number 5, 7, and 11 teams on neutral floors, all back to back to back. The the paint crew is going to go slash their tires, <laughs> egg their house. Texas oh, Southern. Good egging in a while. The opponent tonight, Purdue is a 30 yeah. and a half point favorite. Ooh. Uh, Texas Southern Ooh. lost to Fairleigh Dickinson Nothing. last year in the play-in game. So there's your. Oh, you're right. There's your connection. They did. Uh, Texas Southern is the play-in team. This is the third straight. That last year was the third straight year. They're also zero and six. They've been in the play-in. <laughs> they are zero and six oh. on the year. I also saw they have Shaq's kid on the team. Oh, do they? Now, Shaq, does he have a couple of kids playing college basketball? 
Because I, I thought there was a kid at LSU. Was well, I wrong about that? Yeah, but I think he was USC and then LSU. Is is he still at LSU? I've got to be honest, I do not know. Yeah, it was. This is Shakir O'Neal, 6'8", yeah. 200 pounds. Don't think he's like a super meaningful player for Texas Southern. He played we'll 17 see. minutes against New Mexico. I'm looking at a box score. The reason is I'm looking at who has to guard Edie today. Right. Who will be the guy that has to guard Edie? Uh, their front court, Kenny Hunter is 6'8". Hang on. And uh, Jamar Young Jr. 6'11". So I think it's going to be Jamar Young Jr. at 6'11", 240 is going to be guarding Edie. Good love, luck to him. I'd love to see a little foul trouble when we get Shaq behind the bench tonight inside of Mackey. Maybe not. Uh, I interviewed Shaquille O'Neal one time. It was when his son was uh, his, I would say, better son, better at basketball son, was uh, was being recruited. It was a three-minute interview. Somewhat disastrous. I'll see if I can find really? the audio. I don't think Shaq could be an enjoyable interview. Well, no, here, it was uh, It was like one, it was like a sponsor thing. You know how those oh, are. Yeah, it's like you yeah. have four mm-hmm. minutes with Shaq. Like, what, right. gonna, what am I going to ask him is feud with Kobe? Yeah. What am I going to ask him in four minutes that we're going to accomplish? Promote Kazam, too, <laughs> if you don't mind here, in those four minutes as well. Are you uh, mad if you're Shaq's son and only 6'8"? I think you are a little bit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're being ripped off just a little bit? Uh, Mark, congrats. Um, Uh-oh. I, <laughs> is, it, is it congrats? I guess it is. I, I don't know. Justin Fields, if you yeah. get a, a ninth life, then you are able to... That was a hell of a throw to DJ Moore. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was the that highlight was a big-time throw. Uh-huh. The Bears yeah. win last night on Monday Night Football. Ugh. For those that don't stay up, or that, that, that did not stay up, excuse me, uh, I don't blame you one bit. Uh, for the first time all year, you have an NFL team not score a touchdown and win the football game. Cairo Santos, <laughs> right leg, 12 points. The Vikings, 10. And I'm Mark's shocked they Bears do a Manning cast. Get a win. I, that was so funny. I like flipped to ESPN2. Yeah. I had like 8, 10, and was I'm like, bowling on. why am I even turning to this channel? There's no chance in no. hell no. they were going to do this game. Uh, the Vikings lose last night as they head to their bye week, and for the first time in the Matt Eberflus era, the Bears have won an NFC North game. Pop a champagne bottle. I guess, I, I guess. I mean, I did not think last night was going to turn into the toilet bowl game of the week. You were a little more optimistic I, I, on that? Well, no, I just didn't I didn't expect it. You Josh know, looking Dobbs at it, came back to Dobbs life. Dobbs was terrible. He was bad. He had four picks, and he could have he could have had six. Yeah, he was bad. He was really yeah, bad. I know. I'll be I, curious to see what they do after the bye. Like week. I know the Vikings fans were mad, but there were you know a smattering of booze in the first half. I'm like, you know, if you didn't have him, you know, Dobbs the best you got. Other, you know, given that Cousins popped they go his back Achilles. To Nick Mullins, I, I I don't know what they do. I, no, you're not going back to Nick Mullins, who did have a period where he was considered a great backup quarterback. Remember that, like five years ago? Uh, but I did not expect that to be the toilet bowl last night, but it absolutely was. I feel Yuck. like they'll, they'll stick with Dobbs because they're going to get Justin Jefferson back, so I feel right. like they'll at least give him some run with him first. A Cowboys and Seahawks now as we look ahead to Week 13. That'll be Thursday night football here coming up. It's probably the biggest buy team week of the season. A lot of teams on buys here. Uh, in week 13. Uh, Colts conversation for today. You know, I was talking with Andy a little bit earlier. Do you feel more encouraged about the Colts in the playoffs after Sunday? And if so, I guess why or why not on that end? Again, as uh, we reach the month of December, the Colts are in that final playoff spot. We'll take a look at the playoff picture as well throughout this week. Leading into Colts and Titans, a rematch that has a lot of differences from the first matchup. No Anthony Richardson. Uh, no Ryan Tannehill, uh, no Grover Stewart. 
Um, there are a lot of differences from you know what was kind of a back and forth game, and really I thought the Colts late just kind of out bullied Tennessee uh, in that uh, first meeting back in Week Five. That was the debut for Jonathan Taylor this season. Again, some flurries in the air on this Tuesday morning. Rick Carlisle at eight. Matt Weaver covers IU football for Pigs.com. Going to join us at nine. I, I don't, Andy. I, I one thing on the IU hire. I know when you talk about basketball schools, the basketball hire is obviously the one that gets the more of the attention. You know, okay, what what what's Duke going to do after Mike Elko? Sounds a lot different than what Duke's <laughs> going to do after Coach K. You know, but when you talk about what football means to your athletic program, the financial impact of it, this hire, you could make the argument is the most important hire in IU athletics history. And I know that might sound ludicrous considering Bob Knight and considering, you know, where where you went from, you know, Kelvin Sampson to Tom Crean, obviously Mike Davis first, and then Archie Miller and Mike Woodson. But when you consider the landscape of college athletics and where IU is on the rung of the Big Ten ladder and the seemingly cutthroat nature to we'll cut fat no matter who you are. And the additions to the Big Ten. In today's college athletics, and if we ever get to a super conference if you don't have a seat at that table, what does that mean to your entire athletic program? So I, I, I don't think that can be overstated. That's a question I do want to throw Matt Weaver's way when he joins us coming up at 9 o'clock. Thank you for uh, tuning in. This is the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy right here on 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right, let's dive into your morning check down. Talked a lot about it there in the uh, opening segment. Pacers losers last night, 114-110 in Gamebridge. Obviously, post-game and unhappy Rick Carlisle. Getting up for in-season tournament games and uh, thinking that we can walk out and, and just beat other teams is, uh, is ignorant. And I've got to do a better job of, of convincing our guys that so it's very disappointing. Um, we all own it. I own it just as much as anybody in there. And uh, you know, it's uh, we've 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 given away some home games that um, you know we're gonna have to work to get back. I thought post game him and Tyrus Halbert both were pretty accurate and pretty candid and kind of calling out their team, if you will, for their lack of lethargic nature, sloppy, uh, poor effort, however you want to describe it. Getting into the, the, the turnovers. I know they can't guard anybody on the wing. Um, you're going to have some nights where you don't throw it in the ocean. The Pacers had one of those last night, but just so damn sloppy with the basketball. Everybody, no matter who got in the game, uh, sloppy, sloppy, sloppy. A very, very poor loss for the Pacers last night. Nothing until Miami on Thursday again. You talk about the hangover of all hangovers. Three straight nights in Miami sounds absolutely awful. (laughs) That's what's upcoming for the Pacers Thursday and Saturday on South Beach. They will find out, I think it's late tonight, who the quarterfinal opponent will be in the in-season tournament coming up next week at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. And we're going to have Evan Walsh. That's his name, Mark. Is that right? Evan Walsh from the NBA, uh, one of the creators of the in-season tournament. He's going to join us later this week, uh, talk a little bit more about the logistics, uh, how it came to be, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, where the Pacers are at right now as they head into the quarterfinals. Did you happen to read, Mark sent us his bio yesterday. Did you happen to read through uh, Walsh's bio? I gave it a bit of a skim. Boy, I tell you, it's... uh... 
It's impressive. I'll say the. I'll say that there were some descriptive <laughs> words to describe his presence in the NBA. I'm not exactly sure what he does, but he sounds like one of the smartest human beings we'll ever have on the air. That's what he sounds like. I think that's well said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of smart, if you went to bed before the end of the Monday Night Football game, Ooh. you would be a very smart human. I, I guess it was entertaining at the end, but un touchdown in the entire game. Mark's Bears beat the Vikings 12 to 10 last night in that one. A Cairo Santos four field goals and for the first time in the 2023 NFL season, a team does not score a touchdown and they win the game. And that makes things closer now. Uh, Mark, you may not like this. Here's also what you did. You know, the Vikings are still the 7 seed at 6 and 6. You know who the 8 seed is? The Green Bay Packers. That's okay. You 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 basically helped out the Green Bay Packers. Uh, so a bunch of five and six teams are trying to stay alive because of last night. Green Bay, the Rams are five and six. Obviously, the Saints are five and six. They're more worried about what they can do uh, with Atlanta in the NFC South. But like I said, I did not think KB last night was going to be maybe the toilet bowl game of week 12 or whatever it was. And it absolutely was. And you know I love those games. The NFC, they are going to have... Have like no one's going to be eliminated. No, forever. I mean, who? I guess officially, what Arizona and Carolina, maybe. Oh, but that- outside of that, like if you're the Bears last night, Mark, what are you two games outside of the playoffs? Yeah. I know that sounds ludicrous, but like <laughs> that is where things stand in the NFC. It's even if they're in the NFC South, they'd be leading the division. Seriously, <laughs> they'd be a game back. I mean, right of now Atlanta. in yeah. round one, you would have the Atlanta Falcons hosting the Dallas Cowboys. You have Ludicrous hanging from the rafters. Jameis Winston get out the way. To Derek Carr. Oh, did on that you have You so you saw that? I did. Oh, yeah, people haven't seen that. Uh, Derek Carr sitting there trying to get his composure. Jameis Winston in his face rapping ludicrous. Fantastic video last night. Tonight in Mackey, it'll be the number one team in the land for the third straight year. The Purdue Boilermakers have earned that mark. It is an eight thirty tip. A late one tonight against zero and six. Texas Southern. Purdue is favored by 30 and a half in this one. Again, uh, Big Ten teams will open up conference play later this week. It'll be a Friday night. Actually, a doubleheader on Big Ten Network here locally. It'll be Indiana uh, and Maryland and Purdue and Northwestern coming up on Friday. So Such a smart idea by the Big Ten Network, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah, such yeah. a smart idea. Yeah, that'll um, that'll be two Big Ten games here in the, early in the month of December for these teams. But uh, no surprise there. I, to me, Andy, the only surprise, again, is Purdue should have gotten every single first-place vote in the AP poll. 60 of 63 first-place votes. Does that surprise you at all? They're the first Big Ten team in the history of the conference to be ranked number one three straight years? I mean, I guess it would. I mean, you have to think of all the teams, whether it's Indiana, what Thad Mott and others have done. I would have thought maybe Ohio Michigan State, Michigan, State Yeah, Michigan team. State and Tom Izzo over the last 15 years at any time. Yeah, I would say I would say it is. And, you know, I, I don't, you know, you could say it's NIL. You could say he's, you know, needs some more for the NBA. But you bring back a guy like Edie, you knew Purdue was going to be one well, at I, some point. Well, I think point. it's damn impressive. Right? Though. I mean, oh, no, rosters it absolutely is. turn over so frequently. Not just your own roster. Obviously, other teams' rosters can turn over so frequently in today's college basketball landscape. You know, outside of Edie, what, like, 
Caleb First or Mason Gillis. I mean, and those guys haven't even been mainstays in the starting lineup necessarily. So, uh, very impressive what Matt Painter's bunch uh, continues to do. And tonight it will be Texas Southern as the opponent. You don't have to give us the net. Well, okay, I was going to say, you, you could do a swoosh here. I was going to write one. down notable names that have hit the transfer portal. Like, I'm not an old man on this stuff, but there's so many damn names that have hit the transfer portal over oh the last week. We, we would need hours. a show until midnight. Uh, yeah, to do I would that. just keep listing names all the way until we got to Rick Carlisle at 8 o'clock. Now, Indiana has had several. Notable players hit the transfer portal. I, I'm curious, you know, does any of that play into the urgency? I, I, I tend not to think so. I, I think the hire is much more of a bigger picture thing. But it's just, frankly, the reality of college football. Probably locally, we should mention Donovan McCauley, who had a really strong season for Indiana, the LN product. Uh, he did enter the transfer portal. So that is, I think, part of. Uh, this process for Indiana as they play out and look for a new head football coach. You know what? I'm I'm wrong. Uh, thank you for the swoosh. Uh, we should mention Cathedral quarterback Danny O'Neill decommitting from Colorado. Colorado lost four guys to decommits. Uh, obviously, highly ranked kids. They lost their quarterback O'Neill, and then the kid for then the kid after him. They lost both of them yesterday, and a top running back prospect. So I'm not sure. I, I have no idea what's going on there. Seems but like interesting. A, a little bit of that is Sean Lewis, their offensive coordinator, who was kind of pretty highly sought after uh, from a from a coaching standpoint. Uh, Dion took away play calling duties from him. You know who actually was their play caller? Pat Shermer. Pat Shermer. NFL legend Pat Shermer, former Browns head coach Pat Shermer. Don't, yeah, former Giants head coach as well. Yeah, so don't remind I, I me. would assume that that means, and Daniel O'Neill kind of inferred this with Kyle Nedrip, who, who wrote a nice piece on it in the Star, uh, that there were some just kind of behind the scenes coaching situations that still need to be played out publicly, and that played into his decommitment there. So, uh, yeah, it was not a great finish at all for Colorado. Four wins, right? They didn't win a game the rest of the season? I mean, yeah, four, four wins, and I, I think they got totally exposed. Now, the only thing Dion did do is get us through like the first three weeks of the season. He gave us a good time for about three, maybe four weeks. So thank you to that. That Colorado State kid <laughs> who ended Travis Hunter's season pretty much, yeah. uh, that, that I think, that number 11 for them, That that's where the season That started everything? For Could be. Colorado. All right, coming up, Rick Carlisle in about a half hour. And again, we'll get uh, back into that IU football situation and where they go from here. A big board up. Updates uh, from Matt Weaver from Peaks.com on some candidates to keep an eye on. On the other side, we get back into the Pacers' dud of a performance last night and where the Colts stand playoff-wise with six to go. Good Tuesday morning to you. Thanks for spending it with us. It is the wake-up call. KB and Andy on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 
I always enjoy these things. Uh, by the way, Carlisle will join us uh, at 8 o'clock. Matt Weaver going to join us at 9 o'clock. I have a couple names that I want to throw your way for the IU football job and then a thought on the IU football job we can dive into You going to hop on the Randall just, L train with me or no? <laughs> Listen, I'm fine with that. I, I, I don't want to. That's your thing. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I don't mind to ride hey, shotgun. We got but, plenty of room. Trust me. <laughs> I'm sure we got you, plenty I'm of room. I'm sure you do. I wanted to dive into does it need to be a power five guy? We can do that. Uh, as we go, obviously, the Colts playoffs, uh, looking at the rest of the season, uh, I have some numbers that I want to dive into as well. Did you happen to see, before we dive into to, to, uh, some Pacer stuff, I always love these things. Did you happen to see Mike Elko yesterday, the the former Duke football coach who just got hired at Texas A&M? I, I don't know if this Did is where you you're going, him? but Texas A&M makes me feel weird. <laughs> That's exactly where I'm going. The swaying back and forth and the singing of the song in Elko's face when he was up there. <laughs> it just it seems like we're all going around the fire pit and, hey, if you drink this, I'll drink that, and then we'll wake up in three days. No, you drink it first. Well, you hope you wake up in three days. I think well, that's yeah. where we are with Texas. Texas A&M. Now, I'm a little nervous. Some of my buddies, you know, we've talked about, hey, Notre Dame at Texas A&M season opener last year. I'm like, if we go there, we might not come back, boys. <laughs> yes, exactly. If we go to College yeah. Station and all of a sudden... You should go. We could be handcuffed and kidnapped and who knows what will happen. Yeah. Well, of course, some people like what you're saying. Uh, you know, <laughs> there's some people that are Easy thinking, now. okay, KB, that's maybe not the worst thing. But yeah, listen, I'm Mike Elko's face, when he was swaying back and forth, it reminded me of... Remember when Petrino left the Falcons and he took the Arkansas job and like no one knew he, he did it in the middle of the night, literally? Remember Petrino's uh, beautiful red face up there when he was calling the Hogs? Suey! Remember that? The SEC All I has can some weird is things, the man. Neck brace of Bobby P. Wow, I mean, that's that's the only thing you should. Uh, the only thing you should be looking at. So, anyway, I just saw the Mike Elko thing and figured if you haven't seen it, uh, it's pretty funny. I also want to get into, speaking of football coaches, some Frank Reich, uh, just numbers that were floating around the internet yesterday uh, as he was fired there in Carolina. Of course, not good for him, but also might be good for him to get away from that ownership group uh, as well. He could write a book one day about working for Jim Irsay and David Tepper. God bless him. He has had uh, two of the more and, and, and interesting owners in the last 18 months. If I may, just real quickly on right, because I feel like there is this, what got him fired here in Indy was his attachment, relationship, I, I don't know if, if obsession is the right word with Carson Wentz. And I'm like, if we're going to go down that path, let's tell the full story and let's tell the real story. The reason why Carson Wentz was a member of the Colts was because, in the first place, Chris Ballard didn't want Matthew Stafford. And if you go back to that offseason, those were the two fishes out there in that 2021 year of, okay, uh, two guys, for I think different reasons, were going to move on from their previous stops in, obviously, Stafford with the Lions and Wentz with the Eagles. So with Ballard not wanting to make the Stafford move, not believing in Stafford, then you go down to plan B or number two on that list, and that's where Carson Wentz comes into play. So if we're going to tell the full story, let's make sure that we – 
tell the full story accurately. But I mean, if you just look at Frank right quickly here, uh, poor, poor Frank, you know, it's been like, like you know, it was Pete McCulley was the last one who got fired before him in nine games. And then the guys right behind Frank Reich, Lou Holtz, 13 games. <laughs> I didn't even know Lou Holtz was an yeah, NFL thir- coach. 13 games, of course, with the Jets. Uh, Bobby Petrino, 13 games. And Urban Meyer, 13 oh. games. Even Bobby and Herb got to game number 13 before they well, got fired. And Urban got a lot more off the field, too, than, yeah, than just, certainly, well, I guess, you know, <laughs> well, at least in a public tried. manner there. He at, least, he at least tried to. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm sure that was a story you and Jake covered, uh, like the journalist that you are. That's, I'm sure that's what you did last year. Uh, what bother, let me ask you this. You said, I don't, I don't think it was last week. I think it was a week before, you know, Thanksgiving and everything, the holidays. You mentioned that you know the Pacers had earned a, a a little bit this year of the benefit of the doubt, right? I'm trying to. I think it was after that. It was after the Magic game. It was right? after the Magic game. And by the way, the Magic have been great this season. Second so, in the East. Yeah. Right so now. you know we may look back. In fact, we don't even need to wait a few months to look back at that Magic win. Like the mat or the Magic loss is not one that I even put on my list because Orlando has been such a good team early on this season. But KB, you mentioned that. And I, I think, at least the way I view it, is a game like last night, they, they have lost that feel-good around them quite a bit. They've lost the benefit of the doubt quite a bit. And it's not because they lost. It's because we're talking about effort. It's because I don't think the defense has got better. I I think it showed. It has shown. And, you know, when you're talking after the game about effort, when there are the turnovers, the sloppy play, you mentioned the entire first segment, the sloppy play. I don't know. To me, that's different than just going out and playing a game and losing one of 82 and you come up short, maybe you have a game-winning shot, whatever it was, and you lose the game and you move on. And not all losses are created equal. And we saw that last night. And I, you know, and I think I'm a huge proponent of this. In college, we obsess over the coaching. Uh, we give the coach all the credit. We fire the coach. And I listen, I know we just talked about Frank Reich. But to me, a game like last night, I know Carlisle is saying the right things, and I'm sure at 8 o'clock he will. Well, you know, we got to get the guys ready and everything else. I, I look at a game like last night, and I put it squarely on the players. That's a player game, uh, like, to me, that the, the, your players need to be better in that game. Like, simply, they need to be more locked in. They need to have more energy. They need to not turn the ball over. They need to be dialed in that if you're not making shots, you got to get a couple of defensive stops. Grant's going nuts. you got to help out on defense and make it easier uh, for the main defender. And, you know, to me, I know Carlisle will say, well, you know, it's everybody, and I'm sure coaching, there's something they did or did not do. But I think they've lost a lot of the benefit of the doubt with some of these losses. I think it's going to hurt him here in a few months. And I think one of these last night really bothered me because I put this one on the players. I do. That, I mean, these are pro guys. you got to win that game last night. Yeah, and now they haven't won two in a row in three weeks. So when you look at kind of separation, that 
was on paper here in the month of November. You had you know all these home games again. I, I, I you haven't had the big injury situation yet. You haven't had the West Coast road trip yet. There was great opportunity. And Rick Carlisle, I think, has been very upfront about the opportunity here early in the season and the and the need to take advantage of it. And I don't think nine and seven is taking advantage of it. I don't think six and five at home is taking advantage of it. And, and to your point, Andy, go back to Friday night. The, the, the final score is not indicative of the separation between the Pacers and the Pistons in that game. That was what? Was that a tie game with like mm-hmm. five minutes to go in the game? Yeah. yeah Indiana yeah. went on a huge run to pull away from Detroit they, late, and that's arguably the worst team in the NBA. So you would like to think that the urgency would still be there last night. Yeah, it's not an in-season game. Yeah, it's not nationally televised. It's not some marquee opponent. But Portland looked like the hungrier team, and, and that I think is what is bothersome because – This Pacers team, I don't think anyone has said, even in their nice wins this season and their great offensive output, et cetera, et cetera, they are not some uber-talented NBA team. We do not look at them and think, there's two or three All-Stars, that's a mega team, however you want to describe it. The non-starter every night has got to be your effort. And the non-starter every night to me is basketball IQ and making the smart decisions. And you look at 20 turnovers, and you look at, Seven guys having multiple turnovers. All 11 that got in the game and got serious minutes turned the ball over. But it's not like you're throwing nine centers on the floor over the course of a game. These are a lot of, a lot of guards and wings. I mean, you played three point guards last mm-hmm. night. So that, to me, I think, is what is extra frustrating about last night. Not to mention the the twist of the knife of it being Malcolm Brogdon. He ices the game. On the clear out, too. You know, against your best defender. You know, it, that to me, I think adds to it. And you look at the schedule now. It's at Miami Thursday. It's at Miami Saturday. And the next week is that blank part of the schedule. That is the in-season tournament. You're going to be facing three teams in that in-season tournament that have all had strong stretches to the season at some point. So you're going to have three really quality opponents. And then after that, Andy, you get into a road trip. If you look at December right now, if you look at the schedule, the only scheduled home game coming up in the next three weeks is that first in-season tournament game. They are on the road for a big chunk of the month of December here, especially early on. So just a lot of missed opportunity um, I, I'm going to ask Rick about Matherin because to me this is just this has not gone well through the first month of the season. Um, I, I guess there's to be expected a bit of growing pains when you're asking him to do some things. Yeah, but it's went backwards in the last couple weeks that he didn't do last season or maybe didn't do enough of last season. Um, but to me, you are in this kind of awkward balance where you want to win and you should win, but you also need to make sure you grow some of your youth along the way. And I get that's difficult to do, but last night's a good example of it, Andy. Amidst the turnovers, amidst the inability to stop Jeremy Grant, who's your sidekick to Matt, to, to Halliburton? Mm-hmm. That, I think, is a big question. Like, I don't know who that is. And in today's NBA... You got to have that other guy. Halliburton, you look at the stat sheet. I mean, he was fine. He was better than fine last night, but no one else stepped up. And the inconsistency in that number two role, night in and night out, uh, I think is an issue. And you know what it does with Matherin being so up and down and lately being a little bit more down than up, and obviously coming off the bench. And you saw uh, in exchange, you saw demonstrative Rick Carlisle. Yeah, Rick after, was pissed at him. Yeah, last he, night. he was really upset. Is there's no way in hell you're trading Buddy Heald. <laughs> Remember that conversation before the season? 
about Buddy Heald. Well, right, he's going to be coming right. off the bench. Well, he started now four straight games, and he, listen, he wasn't good last night either. I mean, he didn't shoot the ball well. One of six from three, three of ten overall. He missed four or five just wide open shots. Again, Portland, uh, you know, like the Portland played well. I mean, there were some missed shots that probably could have saved the Pacers, but I mean, I look at Buddy Heald, and that was a conversation that we had about, well, you know, if you're not going to sign him, do you move on from him? I don't think that's even a conversation anymore. I mean, I don't think you can afford to move on. I couldn't imagine if you took his 25 minutes off the floor. Hell, I think he's going to be starting games for them this season. And, a lot of games. And I will say this. You can kind of put Bruce Brown, Andy, into a little bit of a... I guess a little bit of a Shaquille Leonard situation. And by that, I mean this. I, I know that probably when I say that out loud, you're like, where the hell are you going with this with this analogy? With Shaq and the Colts this year, there was a constant evaluation because at the end of the year, you had a con- contractual decision to make on Shaq. Obviously, they made that. With Bruce Brown, you have that. Now, again, that's probably where the analogy stops. Obviously, the injury situation and and the past history with their respective teams doesn't add up at all. But at the end of the year, remember, it's a team option on Bruce Brown. It's a $20 million team option for next season. The Bruce Brown I've seen through the first month of the year, I don't know if I'm picking up that team option. And I get that he probably does some things that are a little bit... You know, box score doesn't tell the full story, et cetera, et cetera. But twenty million is a notable number, and that is a part of this season to where again the Pacers are in control. It's their team option on his second year here in Indiana. But if you're trying to find that sidekick to Halliburton and you're looking at things moving forward, and Matherin has had such an up and down nature, probably more down than up, if you're gonna be honest, to the start of this season. Um, that Bruce Brown you know, situation leading into next year is something to continue to monitor. It's one month, but we will continue to watch that throughout the course of this season. We talked about effort post-game. Here's Rick Carlisle talking about that very thing. team is the same. It's just, you know, compete level, not where it needs to be. Um, I don't buy belly aching about missed shots. I mean, you're going to have nice where you miss shots. But Indiana fans can tell when a team is, you know, playing as hard as they can possibly play. And we didn't do that tonight. Um, we didn't do it for you know, stretches of a lot of those games. And so, you know, we're, we're paying a price. It's um, and it's uh, it's unfortunate. Yeah. And see, I think that's what's going to bother people uh, a lot is just the effort, the energy and having those things in winnable games. And again, you look at it, the Bulls are five and 13. The Hornets are five and 10. The Raptors are eight, nine. And Portland is what, five and 12 this season. And you've lost to each and every one of those teams. You can't do it. And at uh, home. You got to give a couple. You got to get a couple. They, they need to have 11 wins right now. That's what they need to be. They need to be at 11 wins. They need to beat the Hornets or the Bulls or last night. They need to have 11 wins right now and you'd feel a hell of a lot better about where they are. You just would. Rick Carlisle in 15. I, Chris had a Pacers comment that he wanted to get to. What's up, Chris? Hey, just a uh, quick comment. The best two defenders on the Pacers, arguably, are, are Bruce Brown and and Nemhard. But they're both 6'4". Right. And every game we get worked by a 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", wing. Derek McKee. We need a modern-day Derek McKee. 
Yeah, I, I, just a dog. Yeah, I think it's a great point, Chris. Uh, I mean, hell, you even saw it on the final possession last night. I mean, Brogdon's ability to get in the lane and just have the same amount of height. Probably he's a little taller, honestly, than Bruce Brown. And it's not like we talk about Brogdon as some 6'8 freak athlete. Obviously, Jeremy Grant had a huge night uh, against you. And, you know, whether it's Jimmy Butler coming up on Thursday and Saturday or obviously the Tatums and the Browns. And I know Giannis is in a little bit of a different category when you talk about his size. I think that remains a question of, yes, Bruce Brown can be viewed as a strong defender, but still, Andy, you are giving up a lot from a height standpoint. I thought that was really well said by Chris. Uh, when you look at him and you look at uh, Nemhart as well, they still have a disadvantage on that end of the floor from a height standpoint. And I, I think that's part of your defensive issues. Do you think part of the issues as well is, you know, Brown came from a world champion team, right? Uh, and so there were other good slash elite slash above average defenders on that team. It's like if you're a cornerback in the NFL, your job's a lot easier if the pass rush is getting home, right? If the pass rush, I mean, that's part, I mean, isn't that part of the Colts? We're not talking about the defensive backs because the pass rush got home for the most part. I know Mike Evans had success on Sunday, but the pass rush gets home and now suddenly I don't have to rely on the corners and safeties quite as much. Don't you feel that way potentially with Brown that he's on the floor with, you know, his last stop, he was on the floor with better defenders than he is now. And to think that he's going to be the defender that's going to make everything okay when he's on the floor with guys who are not, uh, you know, as a team, not a good defensive team. Absolutely, the bottom of the NBA as a defensive team. Does that affect the way we view his yeah, defense and overall? Say, I don't know. I'm just asking. No, no, no. I, I think it's fair. I'd say both ends of the floor too, because again, when you're getting, when you're paying a guy twenty million, you, you expect a little bit more offensively. Two and whether it's Jokic, whether it's Murray, whether it's you know Gordon, whoever for Denver, he obviously was not that high on the scouting report. He, he is much higher here, just based off personnel. I was Tony East had this figure over the weekend, and I, it, to me, when I heard it, I was just in a way I was like, that makes sense. But in another way, I'm like, holy hell, that is awful. The stat was the Pacers had been giving up. Six more shots at the rim than any other team in the NBA. Okay, on a per game basis. Okay, think about that. Yeah, I mean, of the thirty layups. teams in the NBA, you give an opponent six more layups than you do anybody else in the league. Like that is such a horrifying stat. And uh, to me, it's indicative of your lack of wing defense and, and and what you know scramble mode and guard your yard and all the new defensive. You know, say is this a defensive system that's going to take multiple months to you know feel the repercussions of it? Because again, you don't need to be elite defensively. You don't even need to be good if you just got to bad. You you're, can't be last. You're terrible, right? You can't be last if you can just get to bad. You can make do, but when you got games that are played 114 to 110 last night, that's not what you want. You, you want games in the 130s with where you're at with the Pacers right now and, and, and how 
they are built. Rick Carlisle in 10 minutes. Uh, I wanted to ask you this. Speaking of guarding your yard, Pacers defense, uh, listening to the Colts roundtable yesterday, KB, uh, just, you know, you know, raving, the guys raving about the, what Chris Ballard has done, defensive lines, some of these picks are starting to work out. So I want your thoughts on that. But, you know, we teased this team making the postseason. If I ask you right now, Scale of one to ten, just around the room. What is your what, what is your number on where you think the Colts can get to? And what and what I mean, I guess your what's your confidence meter on the Colts making the postseason right now? Just 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 give me a number. Yeah, because I, I mean you could sell out and say five or six, right? Because sure. that's probably where I am. Yeah, I saw the analytics. I I, I think one of them had him like forty three percent chance of making the postseason. I probably would put it a little higher than that. And a lot of it, I think, again, has to do with the schedule. And I think some of the saving grace defensively, particularly the run defense right now, Andy, is this. I just feel like Grover Stewart's going to cure a lot of it when he gets back. And it is one more game missed. But I do think that's going to be a huge benefit to you. Again, nothing I saw Sunday makes me think of Gardner Minshew in this passing offense will be able to do heavy lifting. But I think if you want to go to encouraging signs, Non-NFL related. Because that Buffalo loss on Sunday night, that was huge for the Colts. Mm -hmm. But if you want to go non-standings related, two things. The fact that you could get back to running it effectively, despite the passing offense being what it was. Zach Moss over six a carry. Taylor over six a carry. And it's not like those two had a 55-yard run in there that can kind of skew some things. So I think that's encouraging. And then on the flip side of it, it's just you were one game closer to Grover Stewart getting back because that, and you would hope you Juju wish you had Brents Henry had his return. Yes, yeah. you, you you definitely wish that you had him this Sunday, but I'd go there. Um, but and we can get more into this as the week moves along, Andy. If you look at the standings of where the Colts are at, who they play the rest of the season, and this is a little NFL tiebreaker nerdy, but it's going to matter if the Colts are in the hunt down the stretch. Right now, the Colts are 4-3 and three against the AFC. The conference tiebreaker is the first tiebreaker used if you don't play that team this season. For example, right now, the Colts are 6-5 and five with the Broncos. The reason why the Colts are above the Broncos is because they have the better AFC record. And if you look at all the teams behind Indianapolis right now, whether that's Houston, whether that's Denver, whether it's Buffalo, whether it's the Bengals, they've got a better AFC record. So that's why this game on Sunday, this means a little bit more. You know, Cincinnati in two weeks, Pittsburgh in three weeks, those games will mean even more because they're closer to you in the standings. But I think based off that tiebreaker too, that'll be something to continue to monitor throughout the final month and a half of the season. A website that Mark Dykton and I go to quite a bit, or we used to, was Tankathon. I don't know if you've been there, but they rank basically using the combined winning percentages the rest of the way to rank the schedules. And like right now, the Bills have the 10th most difficult schedule left in the NFL. And that's why, of course, at Kansas City, home Cowboys, at Chargers, and I do the Patriots, but they end uh, in my Miami, and that game's going to mean something for both teams, most likely. Buffalo getting in and also Miami seeding and everything else. To me, if I almost wanted to write Buffalo off because of where they are as a team and because of the schedule, I kind of did that. Then I looked at the other teams around them. You know, the Broncos, and one reason why people like them to be a playoff team is, okay, yes, because of how they're playing, but also they have the 27th 
uh, ranked schedule. That means one of the easiest remaining schedules in the NFL. The Texans are 22 and the Browns are 23. So you may say, well, Andy, what, what does all of this mean? Here's what I think it means. I think if the Colts get to 10, they're in. That's what I think. Agreed. If they can go four and two the rest of the way, they will be a playoff team. I believe that. Why do I believe that? Well, they have the tiebreaker over the Texans and Broncos, like you just mentioned. They play the Texans again. It's in Indianapolis. It's right down the road here at Lucas Oil. So they get to control their own destiny on that. Uh, I've ridden off the Bills. That's just me for this exercise. And then you look at the Browns. Miles Garrett, I guess, may play this week. He's banged up. Uh, that quarterback position is so bad. You got to think eventually it's going to give in, right? I mean, that's how I view it. If you look at the but they've Browns, they've got the game lead and the head-to-head tiebreaker. Yeah, I mean, on you. The, the, the Browns are one. You you need to root against the Cleveland Browns. If the, to me, if there is a team, and all of these, you know, the Texans and Bills and Broncos, all of those teams you're rooting against. Do not get me wrong, but to me, because the Browns won the game in Lucas Oil, and because they have that defense that can literally win them games 13 to 10 to me that's the team and you look at the Colts if they can go four and two the rest of the way and per ESPN right now they would be favored in one two three four potentially five games the rest of the way the Bengals and Texans are the games that they would be slightly favored in but it would be very close like Bengals right now they have a 50 and a half percent chance of winning Texans a 51 and a half percent chance of winning so I you can't ask for anything else six games go four and two make the playoffs I, I think it's that clear I really do home to the Steelers in two weeks home to the Texans the final game of the year if you win both those you got to fall on your face not to get in the playoffs so I mean, they, they will have opportunities which has happened in, before inside of your building to beat teams right there with you in the standings and if you take care of business in particularly of those two games I think you will make the postseason. We'll get more into what that looks like. Also, I think a lot of conversation. When is that Steelers game going to be? Um, I'll, I'll share some thoughts on that coming up in a bit. That's one that could be a Saturday game, could be a Sunday game, and that might fall on the same day as Purdue-Arizona, uh, which is a one-versus-two matchup currently in college basketball over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Speaking of Gamebridge Fieldhouse, Rick Carlisle, he joins us next. Yeah, thanks for hanging out with us. 8 o'clock hour broadcasting live from the drivehubler.com studios. Reminder, Query and Company coming your way today at noon. JMV at 3 o'clock. We'll have you set up, uh, obviously, all the Colts stuff this weekend. Pacers as well. Home for the Pacers and Colts right here. 93.5-107.5 The Fan. And as he does every Tuesday in the 8 o'clock hour, Rick Carlisle, Pacers head coach, joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Coach, good morning, sir. How are you? You? I'm okay. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is a little bit uh, crackly today. That's understandable. It's understandable. But let's let's jump right into it. Uh, I'm sure there's a laundry list, but what are the top, you know, one or two things that bothered you that still bother you this morning about last night's loss? Mostly, it was our disposition headed into this game. Um, and uh, we just didn't have the kind of compete level that we needed at the beginning of the game. Um, you know, we're playing a team that's coming off of a, a game the day before and all that. And so um, it's a difficult lesson learned. 
Rick Carlisle is with us here. The Pacers off to Miami coming up uh, in a couple days. They'll play two down there this weekend before back at home for that in-season quarterfinal. Rick with us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Obviously, Coach, we've talked a lot about implementing the new defensive system and, and those things. Um, how long do you think is needed before you know you guys see the, the positive impact on that end of the floor from what you're trying to do differently defensively this season? Well, we're seeing some positive things um, in terms of statistics. We're giving up, I think we're giving up the fewest three-point shots in the league. Um, and we've demonstrated that in um, in certain games, we've, we've been very good. I mean, uh, the second game at Philly, for example, the uh, the game against Detroit uh, a few days ago, um, but it requires a, a, a you know a high level of um, physical force, um, commitment, you know all those things, and so it's hard. It's a hard system, um, but it's the same system that you know the best defensive teams in the league are using. Orlando's doing the same exact thing. Um, <clears throat> And we've just got to <laughs> we've got to we've got to commit to it. And you know, it's going to be it's going to be difficult <clears throat> to do it unless we get a consistent commitment of effort and force and willingness to press up into the ball and do the hard things. You mentioned disposition. You were unhappy going into this game last night. Uh, I covered Charlie Strong when he was at Louisville, and he called it fake juice. He took his team off the field. I know that's very much a collegiate thing, but could you notice before the game maybe some hints that your team wasn't quite as locked in as they've been for other teams, for maybe some of the better teams on your schedule? Hard to say. You never know. Um, you know, show me a great shoot around, and I'll show you a lousy game that night. You know, show me. <laughs> and it's just, you know, in, in the world of professional sports, this stuff can be all over the place. Um, you know, one thing that we did going into this game, um, you know, with with two days in between the Detroit and the um, and the Portland game. Uh, you know, Detroit was a was a late game. It was sat, it was an eight o'clock game. So Saturday we had uh, what we call a pro day, which is like everybody has to come in, um, get treatment, do a lift, get some shooting. But it was not a a practice per se. And then, you know, we we attempted to have um, you know a, a, a very active, enthusiastic practice. Um, on Sunday preparing for Monday. And the idea was that we would do that. Um, we would not come to the arena early and do a, a pregame walkthrough at four o'clock um, with the idea that Milwaukee coming off the back to back to be a little more rested, et cetera. But, you know, to do that, you, your mindset has to be right. And so uh, that was, that was clearly a mistake on my part. Um, I will not make that mistake again. You know, we will have we will have walkthroughs to make sure that we get the attention of our guys. Um, Portland does not have a good record, but they have some very good players, um, and they're a team on the rise. Clearly, you know, their their role players are hard playing defensive guys. Um, they made the game very hard for us, and so you know, it's a it's a difficult lesson learned. He's Rick Carlisle. Pacers nine and seven on the season. Again, they lose last night, one fourteen, one ten to Portland. Rick with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. 
Um, Coach, how would you uh, assess what you're asking of Benedict Matherin here in year two, uh, I guess through the first month of, of the season? Well, I think first of all, I, I know where this question is coming from. You know, he he played a bunch of unconditional minutes last year. He scored, scored a whole boatload of points, blah, blah, blah. Um, this is a different year. Um, this is a completely different set of circumstances. Um, year two in, in many, if not most, situations for a first-year player going to his second year is going to be different. <clears throat> what what we're asking from him is a consistent compete level um, and to really work to develop into uh, a high-level two-way player. Now, in the Detroit game, um, he showed that. Uh, he earned 31 minutes in that game and was in the game and finished it. Um, last night, I thought he did a lot of good things. Um, he had a few lapses, as everyone did, but he's he's making strides. And um, our team is different this year. You know, we've we've acquired a couple of of new guys that you know have added two two guys to the rotation. Um, we started him early in the season and, and then made the decision to um, have him come off the bench. Nothing is nothing is necessarily permanent, but I, I'm just you know I'm really looking for for a, a, a consistent compete level from everybody. And um, there's still a lot to be determined. Again, Rick Carlisle with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I guess getting back to that starting lineup, I know Aaron Neesmith has been out for a couple of games. You still view that as kind of a fluid situation with you know Buddy Heald being inserted. And then again, I know Aaron's been out for a couple of games, so Obi Toppin has stayed in the starting lineup. Yes. And I guess on the Buddy Heald side, four straight starts for him, Coach. Uh, you know, I guess how has, uh, you know, why did you make that move? And I, I, you said it's not permanent. Is that a move that you're going to continue? I know he didn't shoot well, but he's a guy that's been so vital for you in the past. He started four straight games. Yeah, we made a move in um, in Atlanta. I guess we haven't talked since the Atlanta game, or I guess we talked that morning, but. Uh, yeah, the move to to start Buddy and Aaron had a lot to do with uh, Atlanta's style of defense, the kind of shots that they give up, and to to get two higher level three point shooters into the lineup. Um, you know, it worked out. Um, <laughs> you know, both those guys played pretty well. Buddy obviously had a, had a huge game with with thirty one points, but it was just you know it, it just turned into a massive. Uh, shootout, and we were very fortunate uh, to win in the end. We finally got a couple of couple of stops in a row, um, but it was a game that was headed for 160 points, you know, for by both teams. So uh, coming out of that, you know, we we come home to to play Toronto, and uh, you know, second night of a back to back off of an emotional win, um, we we certainly had a letdown on some level, you know, emotionally. Um, and uh, we let that one get away. And so, look, we're we're sitting here, um, you know, really with uh, staring down the barrel of, of four games dropped at home that uh, we're, we're probably really going to regret later. But uh, right now we, we've... Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, 
and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Just got to keep working at the things that are the important things and getting ready for the next game. Rick Carlisle with us. I was going to ask you, like, are you a believer? Because Halliburton after the game was like, you know, listen, we have like four games here that we're not happy that we lost, but there's going to be chances throughout the season to get those four games back and maybe beat some good teams, uh, teams with better record than you, and maybe it, e- it it evens out. Do you see it that way? Or when there is a, a lost opportunity, does that lost opportunity eat at you all season long? Well, I mean, these are the kinds of things that, you know, in in April when everybody is jockeying for uh, playoff positioning and, you know, the the playing tournament positioning and stuff like that, you look back on and say, geez, man, that that damn Portland game or that damn Mm -hmm. Charlotte game or whatever it is. And and so, look, you know, we're we're in the business of of trying to avoid regret. (laughs) You know, that's... That's a that's a pretty simple way of of putting it, um, but it's the NBA. It's very competitive, and you know we're gonna you're gonna have nights like la- last night, um, and you've got to make the corrections uh, as best you can. We've got to find guys that that compete consistently at a high level, um, and we we can't just make this about you know shot making and and, and outscoring the other team. Um, you know, we've we've shown we have the ability to be gritty and um, and and to play very competitively at the defensive end, and we've just got to stay steadfast to to move in the, in the direction of being able to do that on a more consistent basis. Can the Pacers going to have two coming up this week in Miami before they return home for that in season tournament quarterfinal game next week? Coach, you just said right there, compete consistently at a high level. How surprising! Um, is it to you that that maybe that's not a non-starter for some of your guys? Yeah, I'm. You know, I'm. Um, I'm up early this morning watching. You know, the uh, the second half of the game last night. And um, look, I mean, this is on all of us. I mean, it's not just the guys that are the players. It's on the coaches. It's on. <laughs> it's on everybody. We're we're in, we're in this together. And. We've got to we've got to do a better job of, of helping our guys realize that you know a high a high compete level a high um, a high level of, of disposition posture and that's not just defensively it's offensively too you know the you have to play with force the ball has to move unconditionally you know we 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 were sticky with the ball last night we didn't we didn't move it the way that we're capable. Um, and Portland is a, is a sneaky good defensive team. Um, you know they they forced the fourth most turnovers in the league, and you know last night we we turned it over twenty times for twenty points, and that was that was a killer. But uh, yeah, we got we got to learn from this. We got to get better. Um, we got to try to you know get get to build build some anger about it, and 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 do better in the next game. Uh, any uh, update on Jalen Smith? That looked pretty ugly. Not yet. Um, you know, after the game, he was he was walking uh, around the locker room. He was was, was limping a little bit, but um, you know he'll be checked out 
um, on a more detailed basis this morning, and, and we'll we'll find out more. We'll probably know more later in the day. But um, hopefully, it's a situation that looked way worse than it was. But until you know, until he has the the diagnostic testing and sees the doctors, you know, we won't know for sure. Rick Carlisle with us. Uh, Coach, now Thursday and Saturday in Miami. You did this a couple weeks ago with Philadelphia split there. Uh, and now Miami, you know, 10 wins. You guys have nine. So it's going to be a team you'll be competing with. You know, they have that championship medal. Well-coached team. couple superstars, no doubt. Very solid team. Uh, what kind of issues does Miami present here this weekend? Well, the ones you just mentioned, for sure. Um, and, you know, it's very conceivable that we could play Miami three games in a row here. Uh, we don't know who's going to be our our quarterfinal game uh, on either Monday or Tuesday. Um, I think all that will be determined sometime later on this evening. So, you know, Milwaukee is playing in Miami tonight. If, if Milwaukee wins that game, they'll be the one seed and will be the two seed, I believe, in the East. If Miami beats Milwaukee, we'll be the number one seed in the East in the in the tournament, and we'll play whoever that lines up with. Um, but there's so many there's so many possibilities. There's just you know there's like five or six different teams that we could possibly play, and. Um, and look, because because these are all teams that are <clears throat> going to potentially be advancing in the tournament, they're going to be. It's going to be a good team uh, whenever we play, whether it's Monday or Tuesday. So um, we've got to bounce back. We've got to <laughs> we've got to galvanize and, and and do a lot of things better. Um, and it's it's a team that I still love, and I still love coming to work every day and working with and uh, they're really good guys and they want to win but we've just got to you know gain a a little higher level of of maturity and understanding coming off this loss and and prepare for Miami who's going to be very very tough. You may have just answered it there and Rick Carlisle with us here on the fan on the Payless Liquors Hotline but you know while you were talking I I was looking for the stat and here it is you know you guys have lost each game following the in-season tournament we know you've talked about the in-season tournament Halliburton and other players have talked about it as well is that just coincidence that you guys have lost after winning an in-season tournament game is that just happened is there anything to that that you can put your finger on uh it's hard to say i you know you you could you could certainly make some kind of case for letdowns and all that kind of stuff but um it's just (laughs) yeah it's happened it's a reality i think we need to look at it for what it is if 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 it's a clear possibility that we're just having letdowns after you know we we win big games and start feeling like maybe we're just better than we are then then we've got to we've got to all um do a do a self check on that and fix it and so um you know being 16 games in to an 82 game season um you know we're still a couple of games above 500 it's 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 not the end of the world but um god damn it you know these games are important and um we've got to get better Coach, last one, and appreciate the time here. Um, how will you spend team-wise uh, the next, I guess, thirty-six hours before you head to Miami? In terms of, you know, what what will you emphasize with your guys? Practice, film-wise, how will uh, today and tomorrow look before you guys board a plane? 
Well, we're off today because we've gone four straight days, and if we don't take today off, um, we'll end up probably going eight straight days, which is just a, a, a very big mistake in the NBA. So this is one of those days where, you know, as much as you want to come in and watch the whole game film, the best thing is for everybody to get away for a day, clear their heads. Um, tomorrow we'll come in. i, I got to figure out how much of this to watch last night. Um, we've got to make the important adjustments. We've got to look at lineup and everything else, uh, see what's what, and then um, and then get ready to move forward very quickly. The, you know, the NBA is is a, is a very very dynamic league because uh, of the frequency of games. You know, in the NFL, you play you know once a week, or you know you may play a Thursday, and that may be a a short prep, but you, you've got a minimum of four days to prep for each game. Um, you know, the, the NBA is is a little bit different. Uh, it's, well, I should say it's a, it's a lot different that way. It's it's really the number one preparation <laughs> um, sort of environment in all of pro sports, in my opinion. And so, uh, me and the staff have got to have got to figure out the right doses of realities from last night. Um, to deliver to these guys, we've got to stay positive. Um, we got to keep believing, um, and we got to understand that, you know, in many cases, wins and losses, you know, in the NBA, um, are, are are a game of inches, and we've we've got to we've got to make the small corrections that are necessary and the big ones. It's a nine and seven start to the season. A lot of games away from home in the next few weeks for Rick Carlisle and the Pacers. Coach, hope you had a great Thanksgiving, and uh, appreciate the time as always. Thanks, Coach. Okay, thanks, guys. Take care. It's Rick Carlisle right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Andy, I think it's, um, I would guess, it's uber frustrating for Pacers fans to hear the, you know, there's a lack of consistency in competing at a high level. Like, to me, A, that should be such a non-starter, no matter what the sport is at what level. B, particularly the professional level. And C, especially when one of a Pacers team that you often hear, we love the makeup of our roster. We've got the right guys. There's just kind of that innate ability that we don't have these lulls over the course of an 82-game season. And again, to me, last night screamed a game where there shouldn't be a lull. You hadn't played since Friday, so the natural urgency should be there. You also didn't play great Friday night. It was a late flurry and when you ran away from Detroit there late, one of the worst teams in the NBA. You don't play again till Thursday. It's not like you're looking ahead necessarily to anything. So, I, I, hearing that from Rick, I think that is it has to be frustrating for Pacers fans to hear that you, you're just not talented enough for that to be a somewhat frequent occurrence. If that's the case and it's going to show up throughout the course of the next five or six months, you're not going to be the five or six seed that I think you should be this season. Well, if you think Pacer fans are frustrated, uh, Rick Carlisle sounded frustrated this morning. I mean, that's got to be frustrating for him. I I said that Charlie Strong called it fake juice, and I wonder if, I still wonder if a coach can see that going into the game. I mean, that's the, listen, we've only done that, what, that interview six times? Have we interviewed Rick six times this season? And I'm trying to think, uh, after that, they played on Monday the 30th and lost to Chicago. Did we have them on that Tuesday? I'm racking my brain because I just don't remember that conversation because this is one of the first times we've had him after 
not only a loss, but a, a dud. But a dud where, you know, he's questioning effort, defense, and listen, he's going to keep tinkering with the starting lineup and with playing time. I mean, he's, you know, if you're not doing what you need to do, you know, the positive with this team is there's, you know, they played 11 guys Last night, you know, they can play nine or ten guys. Not all NBA teams can do that, right? The Pacers don't mind doing that. Carlisle doesn't mind doing that. You're going to see him use that bench. Now, obviously, Jalen Smith is going to miss time. It's a matter of how much time it, it did sound he's like going a to decent miss. decent update, considering what sure, it looked like sure. last night. Again, Jalen Smith, it was left heel contusion I, is what the I, announcement was. I mean, I thought it was a hyperextended of, of the knee. That's what it looked like to me, but... I, I, I guess if you're very telling, bad. I guess if you're telling me it's it's only quote unquote only a heel, I, I would feel good there. Right. I, I don't Agreed. know. I mean, because it, again, you don't have Daniel Tice now, so the depth at center. I, I, I just, just think, Miles Center. Yeah, I just, or Miles Turner. I, I just think Johnson. you have mentioned this team dealing with prosperity, and I know that's a very corny thing in sports to talk about, but I think this team. I think this team is going to struggle with that. And I think one reason, it's not only because they're they're a young team, but they don't have a second superstar to Halliburton. Does that make sense? And I think if you had that, that would provide some of that. If you had more experience, perhaps, that would provide some of that. And you have to think about it, there's not... Starting with Halliburton himself, not not that he's any of the issue. You understand what I'm saying here. There's not a lot of guys that have experienced winning on this roster. And so you're those sorts of things are things that are kind of being taught and learned on the fly. And, you know, it's one reason why their expectations this season, they could still be a year away, right? If they go get somebody, another running mate, a couple guys develop. But I think they're learning some important lessons on the fly. And it's going to create some losses. But you just can't lose a game like last night. You got to win that. Even if it's a buy a point, you got to win that game. And again, I point so much to the turnovers. There was just guys just throwing 20 points, 20 turnovers. Out of bounds and stepping on inlines. And they just look like they had never played basketball together. And, and no matter who it was, I mean, you can point to everybody that got in the game last night, turning the ball over. Um, one last thing that I will mention, you know, obviously I do think the wins should be at a higher level this season. I've mentioned, you know, I, I think 45 wins is very realistic and a five or six seed is also very realistic. Um, and it's not the same as Anthony Richardson to the Colts this season, but the Benedict Matherin development, Andy, is massive. It is massive when you consider what the future looks like around Tyrese Halliburton. You've got to make sure, in the NBA, you have to have the sidekick. You've got to have some, if you're going to reach a consistent annual playoff run team, you're going to have to have another all-star caliber player. This team right now does not have that. No. No one sniffs that, really, uh, next to Halliburton. And again, ideally, it would come internal, and it would come from a guy that you spent a very high draft pick on. So that's why I think the Matherin thing is so important to watch. They're begging Matherin. Come on, man. Be the guy. and, And I know it's not it's still very, very early, but you know, obviously, I don't think even the draft pick of Jarris Walker was viewed as having that sort of potential. It was more of a no. This can be a defensive-minded guy, you know, whatever. Maybe Thad Young with a higher upside. However you want to describe it. Um, so that's why, amidst this season and the wins and losses, the question that was asked, you know, to him about Matherin, and I think it's a constant storyline to keep an eye on. Again, it's not Richardson. But I, I don't know, maybe it's like the Bernard Ryman development, if you want to make the Colts analogy, or the Quiddy Pay development, if you want to make the Colts um, sort of angle to it. 
Um, so right now, the first month, the returns have not been consistent at all. And you're obviously going to have to find some of that uh, if the future pieces that you feel good about entering this season are going to continue to be. All there. right, question for you guys, just because, I mean, we might as well, let's peel the curtain back just a little Where bit. Where is Charlie Strong, by the way? He, I, I, didn't, I didn't. He's at Alabama being a, being a uh, assistant for, uh, for Nick Saban, making a few hundred grand. Everybody's at Alabama. Everyone's at Alabama. Tom Allen will be there next year. He'll be an analyst <laughs> making $250,000 so next year. So true. Did we have to dump coach? For the uh, for the curse in the oh, middle, for I the did. curse in the did middle. Did he give us the GD? Yeah, yeah, yeah. which yeah. I love is, by is the way. Dull? I, I don't well, know. Well, I mean, you can say it. I, Probably I didn't know, is. Right? I didn't know the line. I didn't know the line here. I think it's a, you don't have to dump, but you also you know I don't know. The kids are going come, to school. You dump it. I don't know if I don't. So I figure I might <laughs> better be safe than sorry. That one kind of caught me off guard. Self-preservation. I, I didn't see that Self, one coming from him. Self-preservation. By the way, there's a great chance that even though it's a Thursday, was it Thursday, Saturday, or Thursday, Sunday with the the I think heat? It's Thursday, yeah, Saturday. Thursday, Saturday. I mean, there's a chance just going down the list. You know, Butler and Bam out of Bayou don't always play these games. <laughs> You know they'll sit a game. They don't. They don't mind a little load management in Miami. Tyler I, Hero's hurt, right? Yeah, and Hero's hurt. So I do wonder if if I do wonder if the if the Pacers get a Josh Richardson site. You know, if you get a little bit of a lesser Jaime Miami Hawkes, yeah, a little bit exactly. More if you get a game, maybe one of these games, perhaps Thursday, is not the well, Miami full roster. Just throwing that out there. You go Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, three nights in Miami, you could get an illness or two on the injury report well, come see, Saturday. Well, and, and some illnesses you might not know <laughs> is in your body if you catch my drift until, you know, a few months later. Remember like a few years ago they did they they did the story because of all the all the apps on your phone that the players can get the girls to come to their room. They don't have to go out and get the girls. Remember that? Does that still apply in Miami? Because I don't think it does. I think it applies in Milwaukee. Are you saying there's not like DoorDash? <laughs> I'm saying they down can, that realm I'm saying for Miami women. I'm saying there's hookup apps, but you want to go out in Miami. You don't want to stay in the Ritz Carlton or whatever you're doing. It's too bad they lost last night because if they would have played well and they would have, you know, won by 15, you know, something like that, and we were feeling good about everything. I was gonna ask Coach, hey, you don't have to give me names. But how many guys have you seen have the Miami flu, where you're going you're going into a game and you're like, how do you think Rick would have handled yeah, that? Well, probably the same way to, how he handled yeah, my starting to, lineup. To, push. Today, not well. That's why I didn't do it. But if they would have won by 17 last night, that would have been something we could have dove into. Again, it is a lot of games on the road, as Rick Carlisle mentioned here. We'll find out late tonight, uh, maybe even the wee hours of tomorrow morning, who that home quarterfinal in-season tournament opponent will be. It'll be Monday or Tuesday. So that that's what we know right now. Monday or Tuesday, inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse for the quarterfinal game. You win, you go to Vegas for the semifinal or the final. It's be a great atmosphere, by the way. It, it, I, I think that'll be a great atmosphere in Cambridge. It will be. Um, certainly, it, it, it Can will I be. say one other thing? Uh, you know, I've been in other markets where the coach doesn't do that. Doesn't come on the air at 8 a.m. after that kind of loss. Sure. I mean, we appreciate Rick Carlisle coming yeah, on and giving yeah. us 15, 20 minutes and being, being candid in how unhappy he and the team uh, are about last night and, you know, uh, three or four of these losses at home. And listen, I, I, 
I agree with him. I am very, we were talking about this off the air. I am very like, you know, baseball teams are always like, oh, that that was at the very beginning of the year. Wait till we get, uh, you know, September. Uh, wait till we get to, you know, the games that matter at the end of the year. I don't view it that way. And I don't think Coach views it that way with his Pacer team. Uh, I view them as missed opportunities. And even if you go on the road and you beat some team that's got a better record, why not have both? Why not beat a team that has a better record like the Sixers or the Bucks or somebody like that and take care of business against the Bulls, against the Blazers? I would say the Magic, but they're good. You understand what I'm saying. Why not have the best of both worlds? I I view it that way. I, I don't view it as, oh, the games later on in the second half of the season matter more than the games in the first 20 games. I don't see no, it that way. No. An inability to separate with such a favorable early season schedule, uh, that's going to come back to haunt this team in March and April. Again, you're pretty healthy. You have this stretch at home. Look at December. I mean, it is a eye-popping yeah. schedule from an opponent's standpoint and particularly those games away from home. And, you know, okay, is Jalen Smith going to miss time? You don't have Daniel Tice. You know, Neesmith's missed a couple games. Like, those injuries are going to start to pile up. That's just inevitable over the course of an 82-game season. So I think that adds to it as well. Again, we'll get back into a little bit of IU coaching search. I know Andy's got a couple names to throw out there. We'll do that coming up uh, in a few. For now, morning check down. The morning check down. On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Yeah, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but let's start with the Pacers again. You just heard Carlisle there. 114-110 losers last night in Gamebridge to Portland. Uh, We've heard a lot from Coach Carlisle. Let's hear from Tyrese Halliburton, unhappy with the loss last night. Frustrating, you know, and everybody's going to look at this and be like, oh, you know, pissed away four at home. We should be 13-3, but, like, can't look at it that way. Um, We can be frustrated about this one, but... I mean, there's 82 games. You know, more than likely we'll win four games we're not supposed to. You know what I mean? So it's hard not to look at it that way. But I think that's what, kind of what you got to do, um, you know, to, to move on. But this is a bad loss. This is a really bad loss for us as a group. And, um, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. I did like the Halliburton comments post game. I, I thought he said kind of all the right things. And I think what you would want your lead guy to say uh, but again, actions are going to speak louder than words, so we'll see how the Pacers respond from last night. Uh, Monday night football, I guess it went down to the wire. That's probably the only compliment that you'll have for the game. Uh, no touchdowns scored by the Bears, and for the first time all season, an NFL team does that, and they win. Cairo Santos, four field goals. And Justin Fields, was that a third down throw to DJ Moore? Third down. Try- okay, yep. that was a big-time throw by Fields, who had had a couple of critical fumbles there as the Bears were trying to beat the Vikings last night. Uh, He got one more chance, though, and again, a huge throw to DJ Moore over the middle of the field, set up Santos for the fourth and final field goal. 12-10 winners, Bears over Vikings. Did they dump the Gatorade on Matt Eberflus for his first NFC North win? I don't know if they did. I'd be curious to see if they did, but... Where are you at, Mark? Did did you want to lose with dignity, like 10-9? Because that's that's what I would have wanted for my team. I'm I'm furious the Giants beat the Patriots on Sunday. Furious. Oh, I I can see Are you clinging to hope, Mark? No, I'm just kind of like, well, they ha- my, my thing is the Bears have the Panthers pick in their back pocket. So you're good so to go, right? Always, right. Yeah, you'd, you'd be... They're going to get number one yeah, overall. Yeah, you're going to yeah. get the quarterback you want. Well... If you I, take I, a quarterback, has, you're going to get the guy Fields, you want. Field still has time to prove himself. I don't think yesterday was his, a very good game at all. I, I, th- I thought the play calling was horrible. But at the same time, he makes a throw like that, and you're just like, 
that's what I want to see regularly. Like, can we get that more consistent? That'd be nice and kind of quiet all these quarterback conversations and everything. So we'll see what happens. They have a bye week now. We'll see what happens last five games, but they do have that Panthers pick, which always see. Which I, I don't want any any feel good Panthers wins. No, now you're not. You're not. Frank oh, you no, think? You. Yeah, you think the special teams coordinator is yeah. going to take over and they'll rattle we off two or three win wins for them now? <laughs> yeah, we got win run for the for the Gipper. Is that what they say? Yeah, yeah, it'll be Cowboys and Seahawks Thursday night football as Cowboys we look ahead blow them out. to week 13. All right, tonight's the number one team in the land for the third straight year. It is the Boilermakers of Purdue. They will take on Texas Southern, favored by 30 and a half in this one. Honestly, Andy, the thing that stood out to me yesterday about Purdue getting that number one ranking, uh, I thought they should have had all 63 first place votes from the AP. They got 60 of the 63 Uh, Again, they are favored by a lot tonight. Uh, It'll be brought up on the broadcast, so might as well say it now. Texas Southern, they lost last year in the play-in game to (laughs) Fairly Dickinson. Fairly Dickinson. You know it'll be brought up. Yeah, they're always that Fairly Dickinson's coach? uh, Tobin, was that his first name? Yes, it was. Yeah, he went to Iona when Patino left to go to St. John's. Ricky P. Yeah, he went to Iona. Two different personalities there. Tobin. Two very different. different Someone was like, "We should Notre Dame go after Tobin." Tobin. I'm like, "Please God, no!" Also, you weren't a Tobin guy. You no. were Shrew- who was your number two? If it wasn't Shrewsbury, did you have a number two? The rumor was that uh, they made it. Well, I mean, they made a call. I, I don't think there'd be mutual interest. Did Siri just say that? Yeah, she, Siri said something. I'll it's take Kevin's. Watch back it's off. Kevin's she forgot tone that always it, sets it, you know off what? Siri. It, it's something about Kevin Bowen's voice that gets my electronics in the morning all hot and bothered. I don't know what it is. Well, the dulcet tones of that's Kevin what it Bowen. is. It's not the first female. Yeah, well, said you that, know no. what? Uh, Greg McDermott was a rumor there. I, oh, obviously, yeah. I don't think that was reciprocated necessarily on the other end. Uh, who's the Drake coach? I forget his name. That was oh, the other goodness. rumor. Oh, goodness. What are you quizzing me on? I think the Drake coach? his son was on the team or something. Yeah, something Which like that. Which I guess that. that's the same thing with Michael Pittsburgh. I can't get anything. I've been over under of 137 for Purdue, so they have a team total of 83.5, but that's all I'm seeing on DraftKings. Texas Otherwise, Southern is 0-6 and in the year. Yeah, 0-6. 0-6, oh and, yeah. and then we've got Shaq's kid on the team. And he doesn't really play much, right? <laughs> he played 17 minutes earlier in the year. I looked at one box score. Darian DeVries, is that it? From... Yes. Um, there that you is go. It. Thank you, Mark, for pulling that out. Texas Southern, by the way, they've been in the play-in game three straight years. I was talking hmm. to somebody from one of these kind of like lower conferences, and they said the dream scenario, if you're going to be a 15 or 16 seed, is to be in the play-in game because if you win the play-in, yep. you get all the money like yeah. it's a tournament yeah. win. Like you won a tournament game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, if you are, you know, insert your MEAC school, you want to be in the play-in, you're going to get rolled. Well, I guess Fairleigh Dickinson didn't. But in all likelihood, yeah, you're going to get rolled You're going to lose to Kansas by 32 points. But if right. you win the play-in game, you all get- the money comes back to your conference. I'm with you. Give me one more swoosh here uh, on the check down. Figure it's worth mentioning. Sorry about that. I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, just, just because local kid, uh, Cathedral High School quarterback Danny O'Neill decommitting, uh, decommitting from Colorado yesterday. Colorado, obviously the transfer portal's wild. Uh, Colorado's lost a couple quarterbacks. Danny O'Neill is one of them. Uh, he had, he had Kentucky. What Purdue? Um, who else was on his list? Illinois was on that list. Northwestern, uh, Michigan State. So wonder if he'll circle back around to some of those guys. Danny O'Neill been committed for several months now. Again, uh, decommits from Deion like Sanders. That offense coordinator situation with Sean Lewis there, who has been kind of a hot name in the coaching circles. Deion taking away play calling from him uh, contributed to some of that decision. All right, speaking of that. Uh, some names for Indiana and what they will do for their new head football coach. We'll discuss that on the other side. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Appreciate Rick Carlisle joining us. I'll be up uh, on the podcast center, 1075thefan.com. We always appreciate win or loss on Tuesday, 8 o'clock. Catch the coach of the Pacers right here on the wake-up call. Matt Weaver going to join us. We'll talk some Indiana football coaching search timeline, some names that he has, and much more. We'll do that coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Did you see who got drug tested for the Colts yesterday, KB? I did. I thought it was his best game of the year. (laughs) Jonathan Taylor again. He he tweeted something out like, right on time, got drug tested again. That's his second drug test of the year, I believe. There were a couple plays on Sunday, Andy, that I felt like if you just kind of screen grabbed it at whatever – uh, you know, second after Taylor had touched the football, you're like, oh, there's no way this run's going anywhere. And the next thing you know, he kind of wiggles his way through there, keeps those legs moving. Uh, I thought the 15 for 91, is that what he had? 15 carries for 91 yards? Yeah, I believe so, I, I didn't yeah. think that did it complete justice. I agree. On just how well, and you know what? I thought Zach Moss looked pretty spry. Oh, Zach, Zach, this is Zach Moss's best game in what, three weeks? And I go Four back weeks? to, you know, what we were mentioning earlier. Okay, exiting Sunday... If anything, what was encouraging about how you feel with the Colts and the playoffs? And I think the fact that you ran it without the passing game, again, offering a ton of balance, is encouraging. Now, can that be consistent? That will be a question. Tennessee is known for stopping the run. Uh, They were missing one of their key defensive tackles. Um, In that first matchup, they'll have him back in the lineup for Sunday Um, But I thought that was really encouraging. Taylor and Moss, because again, you're going to have to lean on them. And and it's been tough sledding. And I think a lot of it has to do with the lack of respect for Gardner Minshew and the pass game uh, on that end there. I think the the most surprising thing, and we can wrap up this conversation, is that Zach Moss, he only had the eight carries, but he had two catches. Jonathan Taylor didn't have a catch. I I want to see Taylor involved in the pass game. I do. I, I, I want to see him involved a little bit more in the past game. Try to get him s- some touches in space. Again, I think he's a hard dude to tackle for defensive backs. And so if you're able to you know, get him a few opportunities um, on the perimeter, in space, uh, I think that only not a, obviously is a high percentage throw for Gardner Minshew, but also allows your best playmaker to uh, touch the ball out there. Uh, okay, uh, you want to do some Indiana here? We we teased it. I know we mentioned it. Just quickly, before we have Weaver on... You going Charlie uh, and, Strong? And, no. <laughs> no, listen, I love Charlie. Uh, no. You want to hear a funny, a funny story? I, when I was covering them, they had the scariest... I don't think he was a, a strength. He was not a strength and conditioning guy, but his name was Pat Moore. Uh, Moore with an ER. Moore is how you say his name. Okay. And he was the scariest man that I've ever seen up close in my entire life, KB. And I was covering a press conference, and Charlie Strong would do this thing where he'd move where the press conference is. Like, he'd just do that. Like, I don't know why he would do that. He'd make it difficult. So he moved to press conference. So I'm walking through the facility, and I've been in the facility, you know, a hundred times in my entire life. And Pat Moore did not know who I was, which I'm not saying he should he should not, you know, didn't know who I was. And he yelled at me, hey, Uh-oh. hey, who are you? And I remember there was 
I'm uh, Connor Stallions. Yeah. <laughs> I remember a chill went down my spine. Uh, leave me alone, sir. No, he. You know, eventually it was fine. I found the room and everything. But uh, okay, so here's the way I view it. Now I know you're an Antoine Randall L guy, okay? Which again, my heart, not how I think IU will operate. No, they're not going to hire Antoine Randall L. Jake Dickert, Washington State, Justin Fry, Ohio State. Uh, the, the, okay, the, those are two. Those are two. I think, realistic, realistic names. Yeah. 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 Okay, so uh-huh. I, I'm totally with you. To to me, there are there are three branches here we can talk with Weaver about. There's the there's the group of five coach, the Toledo coach, the Tulane coach, and I'm not talking about those guys just because I don't know much about those guys whatsoever. I'm sure they're fine coaches. They have ran their programs uh, at a smaller level, not at a Big Ten level, and sometimes that works. I mean, Kansas has got that to work, for instance, and so, uh, you know, I think that's one way that Indiana could go. The other way they could go is is the up-and-coming assistant. We've talked about that. Uh, I don't view, after talking with Zach Osterman yesterday, Kevin, I don't view that they're going to do that because they want someone who's ran their own program. Now, you may like that. You may not like that. That's the read that I... Now, could be wrong. I don't know. I have any inside information. That's the way I view it, though, is if they want a guy that, whether it's at Toledo or at a Power 5 school, that has ran their own program, then you're not going to go down the assistant route. Okay. And then the third one would be... I was talking with an IU buddy yesterday. The third one would be someone who was coached in the Power Five. And and then we get into, and this is what I was going to ask you, like, are you just anti-retread? And I think that's, that's the question for an Indiana fan as well. Uh, and I think when you get to that, there are a couple names. And there are a couple names that I don't know what to do with. And Jake Dickert is one of those names at Washington State. You mentioned, has been mentioned. I'm sure Matt will mention coming up in 15 minutes. And then here are just some other ones. And and I was going to be very, you know, I guess I was kind of looking at it myself of, okay, I'm going to be negative towards this guy because I was yesterday. And I guess I look at it a little bit closer. I, do you hate Paul Christ? I'm just throwing these, these other names of guys who have been in the Power Five that... You know, you know, Paul Christ right now is the one of the top assistants next to Sark in Texas. Okay, so yeah, former Wisconsin, yeah, former coach, Wisconsin yeah. coach, yeah. and uh-huh. you know he took over and he did a good job for about three years, and then it ran its course. An offensive guy, and then I don't know what happened with him in his boring offense at Wisconsin. So Paul Christ, Jake Dickert, one I did not hear. Tom Herman, any interest there? I mean, Tom Herman, uh, up and coming in Houston, went to Texas. Kind of a long line of guys there for more than a decade that went to Texas and couldn't figure it out. Remember, he had the whole kissing thing, too. Remember that? Where there was a lot of kissing before they uh, got on the bus? Yeah, Remember that was a well, very odd thing. I could be nervous about him and some co Yeah, well, there's, FAU, there's, there's, is that right? For, yeah, for him? FAU. Uh, I am an absolutely not on Dan Mullen. I, I know, that, again, that is just another name. Again, I'm talking... We've done a lot of the assistant, and we've done a lot, and I and, and I don't think any of us know much about Toledo or Tulane. But these are names that we know that are out there of guys that have been in and out of the Power Five, but have ran programs. And for a guy like Chris and a guy like Tom Herman, have ran programs kind of at the top of college football. Dan Mullen at Florida, I, I, to me, he's an absolutely not. And then I'll just throw the name out there, Pat Fitzgerald. 
Northwestern. I heard Mark Dyson go, ooh, in the background. I mean, he's in the middle of that lawsuit. Is it too soon? With Northwestern. I believe. Too close to it? I believe soon? it's too soon. Yeah. Uh, but if you looked at it, Pat Fitzgerald has won at a place and helped build facilities at a place that was very much, how many years ago, viewed below Indiana football even, right? I mean, you could make that argument. They were viewed yeah. even below Indiana football. It's just a name that's thrown out there. I do not think it's going to happen. Again, he is in the middle of a sticky lawsuit. I still think a lot of the facts need to come out about what the heck happened uh, at Northwestern. So it would be a no. But Fitzgerald, Mullen, Dickert, Chris, and Herman are just five names I'm throwing out there of guys that have ran programs, have ran some of them at a high level, or have ran a mid-level program and have done a good job running a mid-level program. I'll say this about the retread label because again it gets such a negative connotation. It does. I do think the negative connotation applies here in this, you know, sort of situation, Andy. Obviously on one end, Indiana wants a guy with head coaching experience. You know, oftentimes I mean, look at every hire, the Colts, the Pacers, uh, Purdue football just made, Indiana basketball is made. You go a 180 from your previous guy. So, okay, Tom Allen was one. Not a former head coach. I mean, what wasn't Ben Davis his last head coaching stop mm-hmm. before he took over at Indiana? And he was obviously on the defensive side of the ball. So theoretically, you're going to get offensive head coach and a guy that has experience as a head coach. The problem with retread for me in this situation, Andy, is this. Are you open-minded to college football in 2023? Because if you're not open-minded to college football in 2023, and if you're Paul Chris and you're going to live in 2018... Right, that's the problem. You're not going to survive. No, you're not. You're going to get chewed up, especially at Indiana. And that's why I thought like the Ryan Walters, and I mean, who knows? They won four games this year. We'll see how the rest of the you know, tenure goes for him. But when we had Ryan Walters on kind of early after his hire, what struck me right away is how open-minded he was to being like, yeah, I'm the fourth youngest college football head coach, but I also have grown up in the new age of college football. So sure. I, I'm embracing it. If you're not going to embrace it, and, and Dan Mullen is probably an example of it, Andy, and you could speak to it better. Uh, you know, being from SEC country, but Dan Mullen did not embrace heavy recruiting, heavy NIL investment. He got lazy at the end. Look at what even has happened with Dabo and Clemson. You know, when you don't embrace the portal, you don't embrace NIL, you're going to get run out of the building. And when the Heisman finalists get announced here later this week, Andy, or next week, I don't know if it's after the conference championship games or not, that list is going to be filled with transfer portal guys. Filled with it. Michael Penix, Bo oh, Nix. Sure. I mean, it is going to be several transfer portal guys. So if you're not, if you're going to be a retread, you better say things have changed. I better get used to the times or not accept it because the Indiana job is an undertaking. It is a massive undertaking and you better be open minded to it. And that would be the nervousness I would have in the retread approach to it because college football has changed so so much just in 24 months i want to like tom herman i wanted to like tom herman so bad but i just can't put on for him and i'd like to the james madison coach i think uh, kurt signetti is that how you but say his w- name willie fritz He's interesting. isn't that a name that people have thrown I mean, out there i mean i'm just looking at different boards here i mean sean lewis you mentioned at colorado got taken out i, I don't know if that would be a name that would be an offensive i'm sticking name. with randall l Who's Juice, your, can energy. you give me a second? Can you give me a number two? You, you can Tommy hide. Reese. <laughs> Kevin just <laughs> asked Cliff 31. Kingsbury. Oh. 
Listen. Is that that disgusting? I I I, I don't know I, why I, I'm why it's you're Indiana football. Well, I, he, uh, let me tell you why. Okay. You want? I'm sorry. I'm done with this watch. We got to take. This. We got to throw Siri out the window. We, you know why? Because my wife was watching the red zone with me. Oh, jeez. And I, I, she saw the Arizona Cardinals lose. And he's too attractive. She doesn't know who the hell Gannon is. Okay. And she goes, "Where's my boyfriend?" And I go, "He got fired." Okay, so when Little Gas is ready to be recruited, <laughs> there will be an attraction. There. I don't know if I want this guy this close to me. That's you, what I'm trying to say. Well, do you want moms to like the future head coach or not? All right, bring on Kingsbury. Yeah, I think Marcus Freeman's attraction is important for Notre Dame. Class trip to Thailand, right? That was a one-way ticket to the Philippines for Cliff Kingsbury after the fire from Arizona. We'll continue this riveting conversation next. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. We mentioned this yesterday, probably literally about 24 hours ago. Shaq Leonard visiting the Cowboys, and that's going to happen today. Uh, Stephen Jones, the uh, lucky son there of Jerry Jones, had some complimentary things to say. Who knows where that goes? We shall see. Some injuries on that Cowboys defense. So, KB, I want to know if you have any reaction to that. And then on top of it, for Colts fans, obviously, the maybe the Patriots and, of course, teams in the AFC South is there. And even though you broke up with him, is there someone you don't want to see Shaq Leonard uh, put a jersey on for? Does that matter at all? Is there any emotion out there? Nah, like, to me, you guys no. don't care about Cowboys, right? The Cowboys. No, but I would no, not no, want to no. see that. I, I, know. I don't know. Maybe Jacksonville. I, 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 yeah. I don't think there's that venom there. Obviously, the Patriots nowhere near uh, what it used to be, and they stink. I, I'll stand by what I said last week. You know, I guess a week ago, yes, or a week ago Wednesday. I, I think you should just take the rest of the year off. I, I think is, you know, okay. He he goes and joins Dallas. Dallas is in the playoff hunt. Dallas is you know, right there. And all of a sudden, it doesn't go well for one game. Dallas isn't giving him another chance. Like the, the, these teams have no ties to him. Uh, very minimal ties financially. It would be the league minimum. Uh, they've got other guys that have been on their roster in their system, you know, throughout camp, et cetera, et cetera. I understand, you know, going to join teams that obviously are in the playoff race and all of that. And as a competitor, it, he's never sat on his couch per se. But for the longevity of his career, if that's even going to be a thing, the guy that I saw, Andy, is not at a quality football playing level for a playoff team, let alone a six-win team. Yeah, I don't know why it's, I don't know why it's going to be a good team or a playoff team that gets him. Like like if you're a bad team, you take a flyer. To me, if you're on a really good team, he's not going to be able to beat out any of the defenders. Like I know Philly's been mentioned. Who's he going to play over at Philly? Again, this is something <laughs> that like it's a little Adam Vinatieri in 2019 of you, you got to make sure that you watch here and now and not get lost in the highlight reel or what that baseball card maybe said for Vinatieri throughout his career. It's unfortunate, but to me, that's the reality of what we saw this season. Uh, All right, on the other side, more into the IU football coach search. How important of a hire is this when you talk about the athletic program as a whole? And what does that hot board look like? Matt Weaver from Peaks.com joins us next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com 
and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. And Yeah, 9 o'clock hour, one more hour to go. Appreciate you hanging out with us, broadcasting live, the wake-up call on the DriveHubler.com studios. Reminder, Rick Carlisle joined us an hour ago. Uh, tons on the Pacers. The Pacers lost last night uh, to Portland. If you missed any of that, find it 1075thefan.com. Well, let's keep the IU football coaching search conversation going. Matthew Weaver joins us from Peaks, and he joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Matt, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you guys? Uh, We're fantastic. Uh, Thank you for joining us on this Tuesday. A couple segments ago, we were just, you know, throwing around some names, the hot board names and everything else. And I know uh, you have some favorites, some guys you want to see get a look. I guess let's start there. What's the most realistic name or two that you think could become the next head coach there at Indiana football? Well, there's a number of names I've heard. I mean, the names I keep hearing the most are Jason Candle from Toledo, um, <clears throat> Paul Chris, the former Wisconsin head coach. Um, those are the two you kind of hear the most. I've heard Sean Lewis um, from you know Colorado OC, who was at Kent State. Um, you know, I think Indiana is going to prioritize head coaching experience, but I do think they will look at a couple guys who have ties to the school or the program. Um, Justin Fry being one and. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Mike Hart, the running back coach at at Michigan, who was at Indiana prior to that, gets a look. Um, I I think they will end up going with a head coach or a guy who's been a head coach. But it does show that they're at least looking at guys who have a connection to the program who don't have that experience. Matt, always good to hear from you and appreciate the time. Again, Matt Weaver, Pigs.com with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You you mentioned that head coach experience. If you're going to make a prerequisite list, where would kind of offensive background rank on that list? I I mean, I I think it would be high, especially, you know, typically, you know, in coaching searches, when you get rid of a guy, you kind of go the other direction when you make another hire. So maybe if you've had a defensive guy, you go offense and vice versa. Um, You know, I don't think they will eliminate guys who have a defensive background, but I think, you know, what they've done as a head coach, um, if they've been a head coach and they have a defensive background, what their offense has done will be important. Because obviously I'm not saying the Indiana defense has played well the last few years because it hasn't, but the offense has really been the big bugaboo for this program um, for the last couple of years. You know, really – Kind of since they lost Kalen DeBoer, um, it's really taken a nosedive. So I think that will be something that will be important to them. And I've heard creativity on offense is something that uh, could be a, it will be could be a significant factor in, in who they look at. You know, something I tossed to Andy a little bit earlier, and I know this might sound dumb when you talk about a basketball school. Like you know, uh, who cares who Duke hires after Mike Elko? Everyone cares who Duke hires after Coach K. So like uh, again, this might sound a bit dumb, but in my opinion, in today's landscape of college athletics, I would argue. You know, Matt, this is the most important hire that Indiana University has had from an athletic standpoint, maybe ever. And, and, you know, again, maybe that's a ludicrous statement, but uh, can you speak to, I guess, just athletic program-wise with how the Big Ten is, how college football is, the ever-changing landscape of it, seemingly, who knows what a super conference could look like here in a few years. 
what do you kind of make of a statement like that and and how important a hire like this is at a school that obviously is labeled a basketball school? I don't think it's outlandish at all. I said that this is this is this will be the most important. And obviously, Scott Dolson hasn't been in Indiana long, but this will be by far his most important hire. Um, you you just mentioned all the thing the reasons why you you could have super conferences. This media money's coming in. Indiana needs to start being competitive and start winning more games. It, it, really, over the next three to six years, especially. I mean, yes, long term, but if you don't start getting better in the next three to six years, you might be left out. Uh, without a chair when the music stops if they go to super conferences. I mean, I, I think that's a real possibility just because of the way things are going. If you go to like a top 40 teams, you have a couple super conferences, you know, there's going to be some fighting there for those last few spots in that super conference. So, uh, our conferences. So I think this is a very important hire. Um, you know, I know people think it's crazy and yeah, could be left out of the Big Ten. I'm not, I, I just think the way things are going, if you're looking at the top 40 programs in college football right now, they're not one of them, and you've got to do something. Um, and I don't know if forty is going to be the number, but you've got to do something to start being more competitive, to be more relevant nationally, like you were in nineteen and twenty. And you've got to listen. I'm not sitting here saying Indiana's going to win nine, ten, eleven games. That's not really. I don't think that's unless they just throw an obscene amount of money at the program. But you should be able to get to a point where six to eight wins is something that you can do on a somewhat regular basis. Yeah, again, just be Maryland or be Rutgers in that in that division. Yeah, both those teams, uh, what, seven and six wins respectively. Matt Weaver, Peaks.com, joining us here on The Fan on a Tuesday. Paul Christ, you just mentioned his name. You, you've heard it. It's a name that is out there. We know uh, he's at Texas right now next to Sark. We also know what he did and did not do, of course, at Wisconsin. I don't know. How realistic is Paul Chris? What kind of a hire would he be, do you think? I mean, listen, Paul Chris won a lot of games in Wisconsin and did and did a pretty good job for a number of years, but it's kind of a meh hire. I agree. And, I agree. You, you know what I mean? And if you're looking for creativity on offense, I don't see how that's the guy. Um, he, he, he did not adjust well when NIL and Portal came into college football. And if you can't adjust to that, you can't be in college football. I mean, it's just as simple as that. That that is taking over the sport, like it or not. It's just the way things are. You're it's basically free agency for teenagers, and they're getting paid. I um, mean, you're going to have to deal with it and learn how to navigate it. And if you struggle with that, then then you're in big trouble. I've heard that recruiting is not a strong suit. Some things you read, um, you know. <clears throat> and listen, I'm not knocking Paul. That that was a plug and play program. Now you still got to get the players and you got to plug them in. But Barry Alvarez built a program where basically you really had to screw it up. And Paul Chris for a number of years did a really good job. At the end, it was slipping a little bit. But you know his offense, I do not think works at Indiana. You don't you don't have a bunch of six six to six eight three hundred twenty pound guys who could push a semi down the road. Okay, you're going to have to adjust your offense. You need to run a more spread type offense. In my opinion, Indiana, you can't run what you ran at Wisconsin. I just don't think it will work. I just don't think you're going to get the guys unless again unless you throw an obscene amount of money into the program and you can start going out and buying guys, which obviously is now legal. I think you've got to you've got to adjust. Can he adjust? I don't know. I mean, obviously, being in Texas, they run a totally different thing than what he ran. Maybe he's learned some stuff. But to me, he's it's kind of a, like I said, it's just kind of a yeah, so so higher. 
Matt Weaver with us. Uh, NIL, you just mentioned, you know, uh, Paul Christ, you know, you know, embracing NIL. And when Tom Allen was fired, he had made comments, obviously, before the last at least year or so about Indiana adapting to a new landscape. And, you know, I followed the Kentucky football team for a number of years, Matt, and that's a conversation they had two years ago. It's also one reason why Mark Stoops wanted to go to Texas A&M is because obviously they have fully embraced, you know, paying players and going out and getting kids that way. How far behind do you think Indiana football is right now as it pertains to name, image, and likeness? Um, I think they've made progress, but they still they still have work to do. Um, you know, I don't know the exact number. I've heard figures of between three and four million for football. That's not bad, but it's not. I mean, listen. <clears throat> You know, I remember Ryan Day was it last year, the year before, said he would need what, like twelve or thirteen million to put together a national championship type roster. I don't think you're going to get to that. I think you got to get maybe to at least fifty to sixty percent of that if you want to be competitive. I mean, to me, for Indiana, like I said before, you got to keep up with your peers. Their peers are Iowa, to an extent, Illinois, Purdue, Minnesota, Maryland, Rutgers. Those are the teams that they need to kind of stay at the same level as. You're not going to get to the Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State level, and I, and I don't think people expect that. I mean, if you do, you've got unrealistic expectations. But you need to get this NIL going better than what it is, and that's why getting the right coach, a guy that people can get excited about, and even if maybe they don't know him, because, I mean, let's be honest, there's IU fan base is not a huge fan base. They may not know a lot of these guys, but if you get them in front of boosters and he's got that personality and get them excited and they're going to start writing checks, that's a good thing. So that's why, to me, this hire is so much so important, not just from the on-field part, but everything that goes into it. Because anymore in coaching in college, the stuff on-field is, I mean, it's important, but there's so much more before that. That, And I think that's where Tom Allen really struggled. Um, and it filtered down and, and obviously impacted the on-field results. Again, Matt Weaver is with us here, Peaks.com. You can follow Matt on Twitter. That is at MB underscore Weaver over there. If you don't mind, Matt, maybe just update us kind of the last 24, 36 hours on the transfer portal for Indiana. Uh, Welcome to college football. I mean, Notre Dame has had notable people enter the transfer portal in the last 36 hours. Uh, But could you kind of update some of the names in the portal? And and if you think there is any urgency that adds to the length of time with this search based off that? Yeah, I think there are around a dozen. Actually, one of the other guys on our site's kind of keeping track of that. But, I mean, some of the most notable names, Donovan McCauley, a local kid who had a really good season this year at receiver. Brendan Sorsby, the quarterback, who took over about midway and, and played well down the stretch. To me, the biggest loss so far, and this is nothing. I mean, Donovan McCauley's a terrific player. Brendan Sorsby is, is a good quarterback and has a chance to be a good quarterback. Skill players have not always been a big problem for Indiana to find. It's the offensive lineman. Um mm-hmm. Carter Smith, their starting left tackle, redshirt freshman, started, I think, every game at left tackle this year and, and, and really looks like he's got a chance to be a really good player. I mean, I know the staff thought he was an NFL-type guy if he continued on the, the track he was on. Those are the guys that's going to be hard for Indiana to replace. Um, I'm not saying you're going to go find a Don McCauley or you know a really good quarterback, but I think you have a much better chance of finding that guy than a starting left tackle or a starting defensive lineman. They've lost some D linemen. So, you know, those are the guys – that to me, you know, and, and hopefully you get a chance. I know in Carter Smith's uh, tweet about, you know, going to the portal, he said to keep my options open. I don't blame these guys. They don't know who their coach is. They don't know if the next coach is going to want them. They don't know if he's gonna, they're going to fit in his system. So I would, if it was my son, I'd say, hey, go in the portal, see what's out there, but give Indiana a chance and talk to him. Hopefully they do that, and the new coach 
you know, can get can can if he wants them, can convince them that they're Indiana's still the right place. That's why you got to make the right hire, but there's got to be a sense of urgency. I think you got to try to have this done by the end of the week. But like going into the weekend, this guy can start talking to not only Indiana players, but when the portal opens, I think it's on the fourth next week. You can be you know ready to go and going after guys that you know you've heard or you know or that you see going to the portal to, to fill the holes that are obviously exist on this roster. Matt, that was going to be my follow up. So you think end of the week, uh, you know whether that be Friday or even into the weekend, Indiana football will have their next head coach. If I had to, if I had to, if I was going to bet on it, I would. I, I mean, I won't be surprised if it goes longer, and maybe it will take more time. But I think, like I said, you don't want to rush it. This is like, like Kevin said, this is a very, very important decision. But at the same time, you've got to act with a sense of urgency. Obviously, you got to try to find your guy as soon as possible, you know, and get get him hired and get him in, and obviously let him get to work. So I think end of the week is possible. I, I you know, I think I, I would expect by Monday they have a coach. Um, you know, what day that falls on, we'll see. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's by the end of the week or, you know, this weekend. Matt, last one. And again, great great stuff here. Appreciate uh, you joining us. We did see, uh, I think it announced that Zach Osterman from the Star had it yesterday that Indiana is using a search firm for this hire. I know that brings up a lot of opinions <laughs> from people when you're talking about head coaching hires. Uh, any thoughts on Indiana, Scott Dolson company using a search firm? I agree with it. it from this standpoint. If you're using the search firm the way I would use it, and that is, obviously, if you want to talk to a coach, that coach is going to be in a little bit of hot water at his current school if you just reach out to him directly. I mean, he's probably going to say no because if he's got a good job, he's not going to jeopardize that. So you use a search firm to go back channel to maybe his representatives and say, hey, they're interested. Would your guy have any interest? And then you can proceed after that. So I agree that if you're using it to help you find candidates, then what's the point of having an athletic director? Totally agree. So, but if you're using it in that way to kind of, you know, do it in a way that you're not going to get the guy in trouble with his current employer, I think that's great. And to me, it's worth what is it? I mean, forty, fifty thousand. If you get the right guy, forty, fifty thousand to drop in the bucket, it's it's changing the couch. So, I think it's it's good if you're using it that way. If you're using it to try to help you find guys, then I'm not sure why you you're the athletic director at that school. Again, MattWeaverPigs.com. It is a busy, busy time over there on Pigs, and Matt's got your coverage for you here as the head coaching search plays out. First, I guess, outside of the building, head coaching search in more than a decade for Indiana. Matt, terrific, man. I appreciate you uh, joining us here, and we'll definitely have to have you on after hires made. Okay, I appreciate it, guys. Have a great day. That is Matt Weaver right there, Payless Liquors Hotline. You know, there's two things. We didn't talk about this earlier. There... You know, when guys go in the portal and it's why, you know, don't freak out. You know, you're Notre Dame fan, so you're seeing it. I'm sure there's some guys that you understand, right? And then there's a couple guys you're like, okay, wait a minute. You know, this guy's either a good player already for us or like a couple of these offensive linemen for Indiana. You're like, oh, you. Oh no, we thought this guy was going to be really good, right? You don't want to lose a guy who as a developmental piece because you still you can't build a team and Deion Sanders prime found this out of Colorado year one. You're not gonna be able to build an entire team on the portal. The recruiting out of high school may not mean as much as it used to, but it still has value. There is still value getting guys in your system and developing them. What I don't know with Indiana And I feel like portal guys fall into maybe one of two camps. I want to see if you disagree with this. There's the guy that enters the portal 
and then is starting to get, oh, that guy entered the portal. And then you're like, okay, well, I want my team to go after him. And then there's a the guy that enters that enters the portal knowing where he's going. Those are two different portal guys. Does that make sense? Right. So, I mean, there's, there's probably, unfortunately, for Indiana, a couple of these names... Uh, that have already kind of through back channels been okay there's you know four or five schools that are very interested and you see that all the time wow how is it not tampering it becomes that conversation but it's those guys I worry about more than the guy that puts his name in the portal and then by Friday Saturday might be meeting with the new coach and I just don't know which one's which yeah and again I think the reality of this oftentimes now is just like this is how guys gauge their value I mean, sure. that, that, no, that, that, that's that's just 100%. the nature of what the portal is and, and largely what college football is. Sure, there are some other reasons that probably guys do it, but largely, um, I think that's kind of how it is viewed, especially, you know, when you are at, uh, oh, I've played at a pretty good level. You know, what, what else is out there? Or, you know, if I dangle this here, am I creating leverage for me in returning to my previous school in terms of what NIL can, can get? I, I'll reiterate what I've said all along, Andy, from – an interest in Antoine Randall and I get it. There's certainly a lack of realistic nature to it, but in my opinion, it's doing something that Indiana football has not been about or tried. And doing something outside of the box, create attention. How big is a college football staff? What do you got? 20, 30 people on a staff? Oh god. I mean it's massive. It, it, it's it's ridiculous. The 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 sideline of a college oh, game compared, compared to an NFL game could not be more different. Seven strength coaches holding you back and Thousand pumping percent. up. You know. well, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, Saban goes out and just hires all these former coaches to be analysts. I mean, he's got Charlie Strong as an analyst right now. So when I look at that, and I think of how college football programs are viewed in the fan spotlight, um, NIL money, how do you create that sort of attention? Um, the brand is the head coach. I mean, the, when you view Clemson football, you 100%. view it in Dabo's light. 100%. You know, that is so, such a big indicator that you don't get in professional sports, I think, very often. Total agreement. And so that's why I look at a guy like Randall L and think, what's your next age group of donors if you're Indiana football? Your next age group is the kind of the forty to fifty year olds. It's us. They watch. Yeah, yeah. It's and, our and age. I, I would say, yeah, yeah maybe not just, me, but yeah, you know what I'm saying. Just it's our even, age. Like just a hair above that, and they watch Randall L. And so there's that in, instant connection, immediate connection there. And unfortunately, well, I guess fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to view it, that's the reality of where college athletics and college football is in today's world. And if you don't have that, if you don't have that initial foot in the door if you don't get that initial sort of hey I remember that guy I know that guy oh wow he was coaching with Dan Campbell and the Lions I didn't realize he was up to that or even if you're a high school recruit or a parent of a high school recruit oh I remember him playing for the Steelers even if it's not the IU thing that is the key sort of now the door is open if you go Jason Candle from Toledo um, you know, insert your other Mac football coach, or you know, what's the dude's name from um, uh, JMU, or you know, Coastal <laughs> Carol. Yeah, yeah. You know, those sorts of things. Andy, in all likelihood, the that hire is not going to get somebody to open up the pocketbook. You're going to have to show it on the field first, and sure, ultimately, you're going to have to get there on the field. But the initial jolt that your program desperately needs right now. 
That's why I look at something outside of the box like that and think it's something you should explore. You can hire a whole lot of people on your staff to help you out with managing the portal, managing the recruiting calendar, managing you know game day operations, an 85-man scholarship roster, all those things. But the brand and the press conference guy and the one that is labeled as the head coach, that to me has got to be a win-the-press-conference type of hire. I don't think I'd say that about every program, but for Indiana right now, as dormant and laughing stock as it's been, that matters, and that's why I have been such an advocate for a guy like Randall. Well, two things. It's Number one, it's always been about, okay, well, what kind of system does this guy run? And in the last few years, whether it be NIL or Portal, that that has that is added. Okay, what are you going to do offensively? What are you going to do defensively? But it's also now, what are you going to do to raise the money because it's all very much out in the open that these guys can get paid to come to your school and you're going to have to win some of those pain battles to get some talent and also to retain talent. And so that's why that's why I agree with you on Randall L. It's almost like I would have absolutely no idea what offense or defense or philosophy or staff or anything, but the thing you're talking about, he would win. He, he would win that more so than, I hate to pick on him, Paul Christ. Right. Paul Christ would be able to walk in and tell you exactly offensively, defensively, staff, uh, what he has done for decades as a coach and as a head coach. Maybe not Antoine Randall. Now the question from an Indiana fan would be, well, KB, you said you know this was the most important hire. Can we rely on a hire of a guy that hasn't been a head coach? That's a bigger conversation. The other thing, and I've dealt with this other stuff. I've dealt with this following other teams, and I've never viewed it as an Indiana thing, but your conversation around the ever-changing landscape of conferences is all sorts of interesting. Indiana fans have never had to worry about that. I mean, you have seen Big 12 teams worry about it. You've seen the Pac-12 be eroded to where there's two teams. They're going to have two teams left over that are going to have to figure things out. Um, now, I think I think you can look at that. Old Big East teams. I think you can look at that as a positive and as a negative. The positive would be now you're more attractive to the middling ACC coach, the middling Pac-12 coach. Sure. They might be in fear of their future. Jake Dicker from Washington State. Again, they might live in a little bit of uncertainty, and they might view the Big Ten as, guys, if you don't jump in that boat, you're not getting in any boat. Right. And so I've got to go there. The flip side of that, of course, is what I just asked Matt and what I asked you earlier in the show. That, to me, is why this this hire it's more important than Mike Woodson. It's more important than Archie Miller. It's more important than you know Mike Davis to Kelvin Sampson to Tom Cr- Like, Yes, you are a basketball school to 95% of your fan base, but if you don't get football right, the domino effect of what that does to you athletically, financially, budget-wise, school-wise, what seats at the table you have moving forward in the college landscape that has absolutely blown up in the last 24 to 48 months – that, to me, is why you can look at it kind of both ways. Of Yes, the Big Ten can be attractive, but that also means there's so much pressure on Scott Dolson and Pam Witten to get this right. The, the And you're right. The football, basketball school, you know, basketball versus football, I should say. Indiana's a basketball school, but that doesn't mean you have to be 80-90% basketball. Does that make sense? You, you have to have football. 
you can't be just a basketball school. Well, especially school. to survive in the Big yeah, Ten. Yeah, yeah. yeah, in, yeah, in, yeah. in the yeah. way that it right. used to be, we say, well, such and such is a basketball yeah. school. You can't be that, Butler, Villanova, Marquette, you know, I'm trying to think of the, you know, well, you know I mean, look at, look at, I mean, Kansas has tried. I mean, Kansas has one of the best, <laughs> probably has the best coach they've had since Mangino uh, right now. I mean, Kansas has tried. Kentucky has tried. Indiana needs to try, right? I, I mean, I even think for a number of years, you know, Purdue was always the basketball school, and obviously they still are. You look at Matt Painter, the number one team in the country. They're going to be a one seed. They're going to be facing that 16 seed come March Madness and everything else. Probably have the national player of the year yet again. But, you know, last year they were in the Big Ten championship game. I mean, they were willing to pay Jeff Brown money. Over $5 million, they were willing to kind of give him, I don't want to say a blank check, but, you know, with Jeff Brom, it wasn't about money, right? Going back to U of L, I mean, that's one, well, that's one way to look at it. And so, to a certain extent, they embraced it. Uh, I, I think it's an interesting point with Indiana. How much can they bring that? Yeah, we're a basketball school, but we have to be 40% football, 50%, 45%, whatever that is. You have to be that. You can go kicking and screaming, but for the health of your athletic department, you got to nail this higher. Now more than and, ever. And you got to be a seven win football team. I don't know. You don't got to be great, but you got to be a bowl team. You got to be a team that can go out there and for, you know, listen, you can schedule four wins, right? And then you can have at least three wins in the non-con. And then you can have those two or three games that you can win in the Big Ten. And then there's going to be 50-50 games. And then you got to be able every couple years to beat a Penn State. And I hate even saying an Ohio State or a Michigan. But you, but it can't be where you enter those games and we're talking about you being a 32-point dog. It, it just can't be that way. No, again, Maryland and Rutgers. Look at them the past few years. That is a level that Indiana should be the barometer for. Uh, and is a realistic barometer that they should be here moving forward. All right, I'll pop quiz in a few. 317-239-1070 for that. So if you'd like, give us a call. Uh, you mentioned trying. Uh, I'm not sure what the try effort was last night inside of Gamebridge Ugh. Fieldhouse. Let's lead off the morning checkdown with that. The morning checkdown. On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Yeah, we played a lot of Rick Carlisle sound today. We also had him on the air for about 15, 16 minutes earlier in the 8 o'clock hour. You miss any of that, 107.5 TheFan.com. Carlisle last night, give Portland credit. Well, we turned it over 20 times. That is going to hinder fast break opportunities. They play at a, at a, at a, at a more of a medium pace. You know, they're not... A real, a real fast-paced team, and they did a good job of controlling tempo with matchups. And you know, Grant hit some hellacious shots, but you know, they had a game in Milwaukee yesterday that they should have won. And uh, you know, they they came in here with some resolve, and uh, you know, we we just were not up to the task. Didn't didn't compete well enough. And I wanted to get some Tyrese Halliburton out here on the turnovers. 20 turnovers led to 20 points last night. Here's Halliburton postgame. I would probably say 60% them, 40% us. I, th- I thought they did a good job of uh, – they got a lot of length on the floor with, you know, Tumani, Jeremy, uh, Matisse. That's some of the best hands in basketball. Uh, but I think they got a lot of young dudes who play the passing lanes really well, play gaps, and they're disciplined. They're – you know, I think it's a well-coached team over there. Um, Chauncey's doing a good job with those guys. So, um, yeah, I, was, 
I think some of the turnovers were unforced, but I thought I thought they did a good job. Lethargic, sloppy. The turnovers stood out to me. I, I, I thought they were very self-inflicted, to be honest with you. So many just guys throwing balls out of bounds. And uh, I've mentioned this throughout the show. The Pacers played 11 guys last night outside of a 10-second stint for Ben Shepard. All 11 committed a turnover. Seven of them committed multiple turnovers. Very disappointed in the effort. I thought Rick Carlisle expressed the same thoughts when he joined us a little bit earlier in the show. Uh, we should mention that Jalen Smith left in the third quarter. It looked very it ugly. Looked yeah. Left leg, mm. knee, just looked awkward. He was trying to get back on a fast break and potentially make a play at the rim. Um, the initial um, report from the Pacers was a left heel contusion. He did not return, of course. Rick Carlisle did say with us earlier, Jalen Smith was up walking around in the locker room. And you know he's hoping that it looked way worse, um, you know, than it actually is. So, uh, Pacers only play one more time this week. It'll be, I guess, they will play Saturday as well. But Thursday will be their next game in Miami. Uh, but something to watch for as well. Uh, Monday Night Football last night, uh, it yeah. was the Bears. I was gonna let you talk about it. 12-10 over the Vikings. Congratulations, Mark. Mark, I did say this to you at training camp, and I remember a few years ago during the joint practices watching Christian McCaffrey and saying, I have never seen a dude move like that on the football field this up close in person. I don't watch a lot of the Bears. One, uh, well, I I mainly watch the Colts, and B, why would I go out of my way to watch the Bears? Damn, Justin Fields is fast. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember saying that to you during training camp. He's got wheels. He is the fastest dude out here. Like, wide out, running back-wise, Colt, Bear, didn't even matter. Fields made some big plays last night. It was probably the full Fields experience, honestly, in 60 minutes. A couple of big turnovers, but then he made the plays. When it counted, a huge completion to DJ Moore over the middle, which set up the Cairo Santos game winner. And now the Bears, for the first time in the Matt Eberflus era, they have won an NFC North game. Yes. Congratulations. Hang the banner. <laughs> Lakeshore Parade. Oh, I love it. Started yeah. yet, Shut it down. Yet Let's today. <laughs> you know what? I figured it's worth giving you some Shane Steichen. He spoke yesterday. I know uh, a lot on that Mo Alley Cox fourth down play. Let's hear from Steichen yesterday on that play. It was a specific look that we were looking for, and we got the look. Um, and so <laughs> it, it worked out good. Obviously, Mo did a really good job of coming through the line of scrimmage right there and kind of hiding himself and then popping down the middle. And then great run sell um, by Gardner and the offense line up front and obviously Zaire going in there um, and setting the edge over there uh, was good to see but it was it was a highly executed play and, and credit to those guys um, you know our yeah. offense for doing it so there you go figured we play some of that uh, Steichen yesterday we'll have more of that as we go give me one more sweep College basketball tonight, the number one team in the land. Uh, Purdue in action hosting Texas Southern, 830 on the Big Ten Network. A 30-and-a-half point favorite are the Boilermakers. To, poor Texas Southern is 0-6 on the season. Uh, the other, the big games tonight, the ACC-SEC Challenge does start. You have Georgia Tech, Mississippi State, and Kentucky and Miami are the big ones there. Gonzaga, Alabama, Baylor, and Kansas. This also in action tonight. All those teams should get wins, I would imagine. Again, Purdue, 60 of the 63 votes that they got in that AP poll. I did want to mention this uh, coming up because uh, several Colts fans have asked about the next home game. Again, the Colts are going to be on the road, Andy, uh, at Tennessee Sunday, at Cincinnati the next week. Uh, That home game then the following week will be either December 16th 
or 17th. That will be against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, of note, on that Saturday at 4.30 over at GameBridge Fieldhouse, you have, right now, number one versus number two in the land. That is Purdue and Arizona in that Indy Classic. Um, Basically, there's five NFL games to choose from for the three Saturday slots. Let me toss these five games at you and tell me what you're putting in on Saturday, okay? No, no, we're saying that Saturday is... Like, you want to play for Saturday. Like, it's a gift for playing for on Saturday. What do Saturday? you think? They're the standalone time <sighs> slots. They're more in the, uh, I don't know, primetime-ish window. I, mean, I love NFL Saturday. So, yeah, I would agree with you. Vikings-Bengals. Okay, no. Broncos-Lions. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a nice game. Steelers-Colts. Steelers-Colts, yeah. Bears-Browns. No. falcons I guess I said Lions twice. Falcons, Lions. Let me let me look up uh, who the Broncos are actually well, playing. Well, F- Falcons, Lions, and, Bron- and Broncos, Lions. Whichever one it is, I mean that game's going to matter. Uh, if it's Atlanta, that's what I Emmy mean, NFC South is going to be up for grabs all the way until the final week. You would imagine the Falcons, Lions, Panthers. Not okay. So no, that's woof. a no. If you're going by good games, Atlanta and Carolina, no. And who did you say? Vikings, Sh- Bears, no. Vikings, no. Bengals. It's Bengals, no. Bears, Browns. Wouldn't you say no on Bears, Browns? I, I mean, I probably would. I know the Browns will be fighting for a playoff spot. I mean, yeah, to me, Colts, Steelers is one of those games. If Broncos, you're giving me Lions, 100%, two teams in the playoffs. 100% it's one of those games. And probably Vikings, Bengals, right? Yeah, probably. No, it's one of those games. So, if you go There's off that, now again, last year... They did slot the Colts in one of these Saturday games. That was the Minnesota game, which Minnesota was, of course, in the playoff race. The Colts blew the huge you know, second-half lead. We all remember that one. So, if you go off of playoff interest, on paper, Andy, there seems to be a good chance the Colts would slot into either the 1 o'clock, 4.30, or 8.15 game on that Saturday. Again, that is their next home game, December 16th. The NFL will make that announcement next Monday or Tuesday. So, we'll obviously update you then, but I know a lot of people have asked, hey, when is the Steelers game going to be? Do you have a gut feel? My gut feel says, based off those five games... Oh, it's one of the top games. The Colts would be in the Saturday... I mean, do you care, though? Day. It's one. It's potentially well, about I, one less day? I, I mean, I don't know. No, I, I bring it up for people planning, more than anything. Oh, sure. I mean, I mean, you know, NFL, I mean a, football reasons doesn't matter no, at all. football reasons. I, I mean, I guess you'll be in the same boat as... I would think the Steelers play on the previous Sunday. I, I don't think that matters too much. I, I'm thinking more of December 16th, 17th. That's you know a, a weekend that I think a lot of people do some family activities this time of year. If you're going to Purdue, Arizona, you know that might impact some things. I mean, can you imagine having 17,000 people inside a Gamebridge Fieldhouse and then having whatever 60,000 over at Lucas Oil Stadium at the same time? All right, let me let me break this down. Here's the problem. Pittsburgh has a Thursday game before. Does that Ooh, change so they anything? Get the extra ten days, a- and they play New England, so they play. Like <laughs> they play the week. worst. So is that yeah. a bye week? So they play the yeah. They play a bad team, and then they would get ten days. They would get a couple extra days. I, I don't know if that changes how anybody yeah. feels, maybe but that's what we'd rather, be looking at. Yeah, maybe I guess you'd rather play that Sunday game. Um, so yeah, that maybe. one I guess goes against the Colts. Now the Colts will get. A day advantage here coming up. Cincinnati's the Monday night game this week. Right. So they'll get the extra day there. Uh, but yeah, I, I I brought it up a little bit more for planning purposes, but that is a good point that you know you, you could be looking at, or you will be looking at, no matter what, some sort of disadvantage there. We'll see how many days it is 
uh, when that is announced next week. All right, it's time for the pop. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Okay, 317-239-1070. All right, 239-1070. Get to the pop quiz here in just a second. KB, I looked outside for the first time in like an hour. Flurries are in the air. I mean, I know it's not going to sni- stick. It's not going to mean anything. But there are flurries in the air right now in Indianapolis, and I don't like it. I not feel at like all. This is the look we're going to get 33 <laughs> days out of the year for the next oh. X amount of months here. It is supposed to warm up, right? It, Later it, in the week. Yeah, I, I think mean, today like, is going to suck. I think like Thursday, maybe even tomorrow, we'll be in the 40s. It's got to warm up a little to get those mess. Iowa drinkers in town. <laughs> Is there funny content to be had uh, with the Iowa drinkers? Do I need to go Just interview some Iowa fans the economy, or what? Economy, baby, stimulate the economy. What's the go-to place for the? Do they have an I like? Do they have a bar like the Tin Roof downtown or anything? Do they have a specific bar they're you going to? You sell beer, they'll find you. They'll drink all of it. Yes, one thousand percent. Was it? Yeah, they didn't. They drink, was a Cadillac Ranch that they drank out of beer a couple years ago. <laughs> one of those bars underneath the bridge. Well, I mean, come on, Michigan fans got to got to step up, but they're they're probably pacing no, themselves, they're high right? And mighty. Yeah. Well, they're also they pacing themselves for, for the college football playoff and those sorts of things. Let's go Iowa. Let's go Hawks. Does Iowa score 10 points in this game? No. no. Brian Ferentz goes out with a bang. <laughs> he goes, scored 38 points. They lose 43-38, but he goes out gunning. God, I love it. That would be awesome. Uh, all Going right, out gunning would be like them scoring 17 points. You're right. Yeah, it'd be you're like right. the Monday night football game from last night. 12-10. Uh, all right, pop quiz is here. 317-239-1070. Uh, Andy, a number one through eight. All right, let's just go number one. Let's make it easy. What do we have? Steve. Steve. Steve, Steve, good morning. Yes, sir. Hey, Steve. Yeah, yes, sir. Good morning. Steve, maybe turn down your radio, but I love oh. the early energy that we're that we're getting here. How you doing? One second. I'm sorry. Yes, sir. Yeah. No, there oh. you go. Oh, there we go. Oh, oh now nice. he sounds so wow. much better. Wow. Steve sounds super professional. Whatever, whatever Steve did, he sounds 100 percent better. <laughs> Steve, are you whispering? Are you in the office? Oh no, sir! I was in my car. I just turned. I just turned my car off. Perfect. Sorry about that. Perfect. No, all good. Steve, you got you got you care at all about Michigan and Iowa and the Big Ten title game on Saturday? No, I'm I'm pulling for Michigan. No, oh, yes. yes, there we Thank go, you, Steve. Steve. Can I ask Let's why, go, Steve? Steve? Yeah, Harbaugh. That's why. That's why. You're a hardball guy. Do you like him yeah. as a player? You like him as a coach? I like him as a player. I got Me nothing. too. I got, that, there, there that's goes, the reason. Kevin's the only one. There like, goes any hint that I have <laughs> that I was going to give to Steve there. Yeah, Kevin keeps like, hey, you're not rooting for Michigan. And everyone's like, yeah, you know what? I think I am rooting for Michigan. <laughs> Steve supporting cheaters with Andy and Mark. <laughs> I want Jim Harbaugh to get handed the Big Ten trophy oh, I by can't the commissioner. Wait. That I cannot wait. That is the only positive from a Michigan win is seeing that scene. Oh, I cannot and wait. And the awkwardness of Harbaugh on the mic. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And all the players wearing the Harbaugh jerseys and shirts and, and everything else. Steve, I think all it's right, a Steve. doable pop quiz. Uh, Andy, go ahead and throw number one at him. All right, Steve, let's go. Question number one. Let's get a winner here. LeBron James set the NBA record for most career minutes played in last night's Lakers loss in Philly. Whose record did he break? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Carl Malone, Kevin Garnett, Dirk Nowitzki. We're going to go with uh, Green. It's always a safe bet with questions like that. Steve, number two here, Purdue, number one in all the land in college basketball. They're one of just two D1 men's basketball programs in the state of Indiana that is currently unbeaten. Can you name the other? And I am shocked by this. Is it Ball State, Indiana State, Evansville, or Purdue-Fort Wayne? My hint is this. They're coached by a new dude who came over from Butler. Uh, They have a transfer from Huntington, and they're not in our time zone. Ooh, that's a good one. Oh, they have to be somewhere down south. Indiana State. (laughs) I don't know. I'd be damned. Y'all have embarrassed me today. Ball State, Indiana State, or Evansville? Evansville. There you go. All right, question yeah, number yeah, question yeah, number three. Better be cheering for Iowa now, Steve. I was about to say he's got to flip-flop here. Uh, the Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles, beat the Bills in overtime on Sunday to move to 10-1 and on the season. They are just the fourth team in NFL history to win 10 of its first 11 games in back-to-back seasons. Which of the following teams did not do this? Was it the 05-06 Colts? The 1988-89 49ers, the 41-42 Chicago Bears, or the 72-73 Miami Dolphins? Again, who did not win 10 of their first 11 games in back-to-back seasons? You know, I'm, That's a tough one. I'm going to go Dolphins. Number four, Steve, on this day in 1929, Ernie Nevers? Of the Chicago Cardinals set the NFL record for most points scored in a game by one player, going for 40 in the Cardinals' 40-6 to win over the Bears. He's like the third grader that nobody can tackle. <laughs> Never scored six touchdowns and kicked four PATs. Name the player who has scored the most points in an NFL game among Ooh. active players. Is it Jonathan Taylor, Alvin Kamara, Joe Mixon, or Christian McCaffrey? McCaffrey. All right, final one, Steve. Let's go on this day in 1895. The first organized automobile race in the United States took place. Where was the first car race in the U.S. held? Was it was it right here in Indy? Uh, Was it Milwaukee, Detroit, or Chicago? We know you don't know, Steve. Just guess. Uh, Indy, Milwaukee, Detroit, Chicago. Uh, yeah, we'll go Chicago. There you go. Just imagine that race was like, you know, the, the two guys on the railroad pumping the handle. Literally. I imagine that's what that race was. Okay, yeah, so no. Max Bowen crawls well, faster well, hang, than that race. Yeah, hang on. So Scotty has uh, off to the side. Chicago was the right answer, by the way. Chicago to Evanston and back is 55 miles. The winner among the six cars 
uh, averaged seven miles per hour. Was it Frank Daria? Is that how you say his name? Uh, seven miles per hour. Was it what a thriller? Seven miles per hour. <laughs> they had to know? stop for a couple days, like, and that's you know, Iowa football right there. Now, seven was, miles they per played hour. Played Oregon Trail. If that was Jim Irsay, would the Carmel cops have pulled him over? <laughs> One of them died of syphilis. <laughs> Dysentery, oh, yeah. Man. That, that one. Uh, so we got Ooh. ones right. He got Chicago right. Steve, n- nice job yeah. there. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for number yeah, one. Correct. How about the Purple Aces with David Ragland as their head coach? Six and zero on the year, but Andy, the slip-ups three and four. Yeah, number three, it was the Niners, nineteen eighty-eight and nineteen eighty-nine Niners, who did not win in back-to-back seasons. Ten of their first eleven. And, and what four. number four, Camara? Camara, six touchdown game he had. No, a Taylor few was second years back. Yeah, yeah was that, that the that. Buffalo game, Scotty? Yeah. Taylor had five touchdowns a few years ago. Uh, all right, we'll do it one final time here. Thank you, Steve, for calling in for the pop quiz. It's the wake up call with KB and Andy. All right, a lot of fun today. You miss any of Rick Carlisle, uh, you can go find that on the podcast center. 1075thefan.com. Query and company coming your way at noon. JMV, you heard the promo right there, coming your way at 3 o'clock. I know we wanted to wrap the show up with a couple Frank Reich thoughts, but I got to get this out because it'll probably be an old story tomorrow, and I don't know if people have seen it because it's a Twitter thing. Did you see, (laughs) KB, did you see last night... uh, Twitter sleuths found out that Sports Illustrated had used a oh, yeah. uh-huh. had used AI. Yeah, they created some fake of their authors, right? Yeah, they created fake authors. Now this is in their review section, something I did not know that they even did, to be quite honest. So it's not like their main college basketball or football or NFL. It's not like that, okay? Uh, but I guess they do these these reviews and they created fake people, uh, generated faces, gave them a name. And even wrote like uh, a little bio about him. So can I read these to you here in the final oh, minutes? Have God. you read these? Uh, no, so t- I have not. So two of them one were unearthed. One was a guy by the name of Drew Ortiz. Okay, uh, graduate this, from Syracuse. I mean, basically, a guy that just looks like like us. Like I don't know what to say. Just Drew Ortiz. Uh, here's the blurb they wrote about him. Drew likes to say that he grew up in the wild. Which is partially true. He grew up in a farmhouse surrounded by woods, fields, and a creek. Drew has spent much of his life outdoors and is excited to guide you through his reviews. Uh, his I, I can't read this here. His ne- never-ending list of best products for you to keep you from failing, uh, falling to the perils of nature. Nowadays, there's rarely a weekend goes by where Drew isn't out camping, hiking, or just back on his parents' farm. So that's one of the guys. Uh, these are a little blurry here because I took these from the internet. The other is Sora Tanaka. This is a woman, okay? Sora Tanaka. Sounded like is a her Cubs name. acquisition in the offseason. Sora has always been a fitness guru and loves to try different foods and drinks. She is fond of varying her workouts and believes everyone should participate in some sort of physical or mental activity at least three times per week. Miss Tanaka is thrilled to bring her fitness and nutritional expertise to the product reviews team and promises to bring you nothing but the best of the best. What a joke Sports <laughs> Illustrated has gotten to that. <laughs> like I used to get, you know, get every single oh, cover man. of Sports Illustrated. Oh, of course. I know. And now we've got fake AI. It's only a matter of time before <laughs> these put AI for us, right? <laughs> 
Yeah, it might be. Oh, man. Who, uh, who would my AI be my hot board for the Indiana job? Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Good luck uh, for the someone who has to come up with that. I think David Tepper, oh. the Carolina owner, might be more of a lunatic than any other owner in sports. I didn't realize this. So he's obviously fired all these head coaches in season. <laughs> uh, Mark and I were chatting about this after the show. He has had an MLS franchise for two years, and they're on their third head coach, and they made the playoffs. <laughs> I think he owns a hockey team, too, and they've also fired a coach. Oh, like, this man. dude is nuts. Oh, he, might, he might be paying, okay, then over three teams is paying $100 million on coaches that won't be coaching his respective teams. Like, you know, maybe, I ought to have money. Maybe the GM is the issue. Maybe the owner's the issue. And again, I'm not acting like Frank Reich I, I thought should have been let go here when he was. But to not give him a little bit of a longer leash in Carolina – when I mean they traded away DJ Moore. I mean we watched DJ Moore last night. Pretty good football player. Yeah. You think that would help Bryce Young? Well, I mean, not to mention they have over what thirty million dollars on all these coaches between he and Rule, and they traded DJ Moore and they traded all these picks for Bryce Young, who I mean, they would have been probably better. I mean, right now they've been better off with Will Levis as the starting quarterback. Uh, Frank Reich mentioned yesterday he spoke with the Charlotte Observer. This is probably the final chapter I'm in surprised his by that. NFL career. I, I'm not too surprised. You know, I, I mentioned this yesterday. Frank is such like a faith-based individual. Yeah. I think he would have the opportunity to kind of marry that with sports a little bit. You know, I don't know if like team chaplain necessarily is what I'm thinking of, but I, I do think he could do that. He's 62 years old, so to your point, you know, you see plenty of head coaches that are around that age. Um, yeah, it, it's just uh, it, it, Carolina that job and how it's going to be viewed and how Bryce Young's career is going to go. Like, so they fired Josh McCown, the QB coach. Who is Bryce <laughs> Young's position coach the rest of the year? <laughs> Is Jim Caldwell like basically taking yeah. the reins like, at this Jim point? Jim Caldwell's doing like nine Caldwell. things down there. <laughs> Caldwell's doing every job. Does Caldwell get a raise? Yeah, I just I think Frank's respected enough where if he wanted to go be a if he wanted to be on a coaching staff, he very well could. The question is, yeah, does he I, want I, yeah, to do, do that? Wanna, I mean, yeah, think about he, how much money not. he's raking in I, from I, Indian Carolina, and and I don't know, maybe you know his competitive football spirit would be enough that he would want to do that, but. I also think there's enough interest away from football sure. that you don't need to go and do that. You don't need to be fired again. And I do think they like that area a lot. Again, Frank was the first quarterback in Panthers history. So, you know, That's back in uh, 90, what was that, 95, Scotty, 96, something like that? Yeah, I mean, it's too bad. I mean, fired middle of the year, two straight years. Of course, he's had some colorful owners. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine <laughs> the, the book he could write on Jim Ursay and oh, David Tepper? It comes back to, to drafting Bryce Young. Some of the meddling, I think, that was involved. Rick Carlisle, Matt Weaver discussing the IU opening. That's up on the podcast. Check that out. We'll talk to you tomorrow.